1: ggtmc it's nice to be back for me again i think i've been on the show like uh twice over the last five weeks or something like that (laughs) but uh yeah it then you know life gets busy as we always say and uh, it's been very busy for me but well i'm back today coffee in hand i got my pal large william covered in snow yeah, and Rice Krispies, Christmas Rice Krispies. Ooh, yeah. Well, there we go. We didn't talk about that before we started recording. Those are always tasty. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's always success. always been a fan of those.
2: Good stuff. The boys are sick of cereal, so I had to trick them into thinking it's somehow different and
1: special. Yeah, that's a good trick. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh. Mine. He. Uh. He loves Cheerios mostly. But uh, oh, nice. Um. Well, we'll mix it up every now and then, though, because, you know, he does get bored of the uh, honey nut, so we'll do a little apple cinnamon here and there and stuff. But, I you know, some of those are real, real sugary, so I have to be a little careful and stuff. But uh, we kind of make it a treat, you know, do the dry cereal eating. I've always been a fan of dry cereal eating. Do you ever do that? The odd time.
2: The odd time I definitely do, like, you know, to nimble on, especially Cheerios. Rice Krispies, not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah, like big, bigger cereal like uh, yeah,
1: like Cheerios. What or, a mess um, that would be, Rice Krispies straight out of the uh, box.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but what's gross is if your kids are a mess like mine are, or like most kids are, yeah. <laughs> when they eat Rice Krispies and then they make a mess on the table and you try to clean it up, Rice Krispies almost when they're soggy become like a paste when you try to wipe them off the table. Yeah, yeah. They expand That's, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible, man. Terrible. But yeah, they're getting sick of healthy cereal. Because mom's the corruptor when it comes to, <laughs>
1: like, you know, sugar smacks. Oh, remember yeah. that
2: frog from Sugar Smacks? He had that, like... Uh, oh, man, I love Sugar Smacks, man. <laughs> yeah. They had him, and uh, I, I just feel like, yeah, you know, like I've, I've said before, it's like a piranha. You can feed a piranha, and someone's going to step in and say they're wrong. But I've always heard this my whole life, so I maintain it as an analogy. Um, you give a piranha, like, fish food for its whole life, it's fine. You can put your hand in the tank, but... The second it gets blood, something in its brain like triggers, and it doesn't want the fish food anymore. So that's yeah. why I say to my wife, "Man, you can't buy that stuff because I'm going to lose every time."
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, I uh, mean, you're not going to win. Yeah, you're not going to win. Uh, Rice Krispies, regular Rice Krispies versus Sugar Smacks. Uh, you're going to lose every time. No. Man. Yeah. And that 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 frog was a running frog too, wasn't he? I believe he was. Yeah, and he, he wore cap. Yeah. Yep. I meant I meant to. I meant to say something the other day in a, in a Facebook post that me and you and only a couple a couple others were copied on, but I ended up taking a nap the other day. And I'll say this for public consumption just to give everybody a little giggle. I ended up taking a nap the other day and having a dream that uh, uh, the whale Shamu had a pickle Loaf's face. No. And, and uh, he was in the hot tub with all of us, and uh, Zom was jerking off in the corner. It was very bizarre. Wow, did, did, did the did the the loaf the loaf whale have a mustache though? Yes, it did. That's how I knew it was a uh, pickle loaf. <laughs> nice. And, uh,
2: and a little hat?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did it have a uh, skinny denim on its flipper?
2: <laughs> <And> its <slippers. laughs>
1: no skinny denim I could see. We were in the hot tub, you know. A skinny denim could be a problem in the hot tub. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But I have the solution. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very bizarre dream. I meant to share that with everybody, but I didn't get around to it.
2: Well, one part of it was normal, and i saw him in the corner beating oh, yeah. off. Yeah, that was, that was total normal. <laughs> yeah. that,
1: that's in all my dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, hell. oh, boy. All right, so we are back, and uh, this week we got a couple selections as part of our Kickstarter. We're, we're slowly winding down to the end of the uh, Kickstarter selections. It's been a long road, uh, really tough for us, but uh, it's been great, and... Uh, you know, I mean, we we spread them out over time, but we dig, we have got to them, and uh, this time we got uh, selections from Martin 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 Yeah Yep this, this regular old Martin <laughs> I was going to say it in a weird way, but he selected Underground from uh, I believe uh, nineteen and uh, ninety five. Oh, was it that? Uh, I don't know. I was going to say eighty nine for some reason. I don't know why. Nineteen ninety five. And uh, Ryan listening to too much Public Enemy. Yeah, eighty nine. That's true. It's funny you mention that. I was watching something the other day and I heard Welcome to the Terror Dome or something while, it was, while I was watching it. <laughs> I was like, man, I love that song. Uh, the, uh, the other film is a selection from Ryan. Uh, he said just do any Billy Blanks film and he would be happy. So <laughs> we decided to do TC2000, which is something we've talked about covering for a long time, from 93. Directed by one TJ Scott. Shapiro Glickenhaus in the house today. Nice. So uh we'll have some fun there and, and we'll have some fun with the other one as well, and that's what we'll be talking about. So you and I haven't talked a whole lot lately. Uh we've both been very busy. Busy boys, yeah. And you've been carrying the uh the torch for the show mostly the last couple of weeks, but I, so I don't really know what you've been watching, what you've been up to. So what'd you have this past week? Anything interesting?
2: Uh, yeah, decent week, man. Um
1: Frosty the Snowman. Ah uh, yes, You're classic favorite
2: classic and the great thing is only 25
1: minutes long yeah it's a great 25 minutes it's probably one of my favorite christmas uh specials is the frosty snowman one i've always loved it i think it's because it's a little dark mm-hmm. and i've always enjoyed that and i guess you know being you know we always talk about being horror movie fans right and yep. stuff as a kid i think i always liked the darker tales so
2: oh definitely there's that that cocksucker that melts him in the greenhouse yeah, yeah, yeah. The greenhouse scene. He wants that hat. He wants that hat. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it's a good one, man. It's a good one. And I guess this this is before Rankin Bass got exclusively into some the, the stop motion or claymation stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know enough. Or to... were they
2: diversifying? I know. I know it's it, well. Obviously, we all know we've seen it a million times. But it's animated and it's Rankin Bass. Whereas the most of the work that we know
1: otherwise is is like claymation, right? mm Hmm. Most of the stuff I know them for is uh, claymation or stop motion. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of another animated one they did. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'd have to do research. Sure. <laughs> mm. But it's a good one. The boys
2: loved it. So That's good. I mean, they've seen it last year, but, you yeah, know, it's cool. And then, of course, naturally, we followed that up with Rudolph. Mm. And I love Rudolph. I, for me, which one do you prefer? I prefer Rudolph myself.
1: Rudolph is my heartwarming special. Rudolph makes me, I, I love both of them. Rudolph makes me feel good. Yeah, uh, it does, man. I love. Uh, yeah. It's just one of those tales, you know. Uh, like I say, Frosty's always been a little, a little darker. But uh, yeah, Rudolph, I love Rudolph, man. I love the, uh, the uh, stop motion of uh, the Rudolph special. That's great, man. I love the
2: Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, It's my favorite part of their song. It's yeah. uh, but yeah. it's weird, man. Santa's a cunt in it. <laughs> yeah. He he's, he is. He's like he's even William noticed it, and it's it's that time before cartoons were politically correct in a way because yeah, Rudolph's dad is ashamed of him, and Santa says to him, he's like, "You should be ashamed. You had him." Yeah. And how do I explain to my son like, how do I back out of that one? Yeah, it's you bizarre. Know, I yeah. had to get something on the spot. I don't know. I just I had to tell him something, but I don't remember what I even said. now man, that's a what a shitty thing to say to a dad!
1: Yeah, Your really. son's
2: different. Should be ashamed you had him.
1: Uh, oh. It was a different time, I guess, in, in children's programming.
2: <laughs> it was, but I do love it, and it is fun. You know, with with of course with um, the man that I would not take over loaf. Speaking of loaf, Yukon Cornelius. Yes,
1: <laughs> it, was, it was pretty amazing. That damn tongue of his. So. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah that's a good one <laughs> is that one does that one that's so a good one i can't remember does that one uh, that one does have the Burl live snowman in it right yeah it sure does yeah man. that's a little loaf little, loaf the loaf the loaf <laughs> yeah man this guy loaf uh may, that may be carved out of rankin bass sperm or something you know
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, rankin bass facial Ooh. um then uh i shifted gears completely that night and I can't remember why, but I had to, I, my wife said, you know, you can choose or something, because it was technically her night. And uh, I did one I'd never even heard of called Money Movers. It's an Australian one. It's a heist film. like a crime film. Uh, and it's pretty cool, man. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Yeah, I, I just stumbled onto it. I didn't know anything about it. And it's a heist film where basically some guys that work for Armitar, it's it's basically kind of got modern noir elements everyone's a scumbag for the most part oh okay. there's a few exceptions and it's got uh, brian brown in it and um oh gosh i can't think of who else but it's quite good and i have to say that tarantino saw it because the ending is quite a
1: messy shootout bruce beresford directed how about that
2: yep that's right beresford's a good director he's certainly accomplished um So, yeah, I was surprised to see that. So, uh, yeah, it's on an instant, man. It's a good one. Like, I'd say, like, it's a seven, seven and a half, you know, good 90-minute film. Adding that puppy right now, bro. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely worth everyone's time. Um, Nice. Then uh, I, after um, my good friend Stefan inexplicably, in my eyes, (laughs) uh, questioned the (laughs) value of Criterion. Yeah. I decided I was gonna watch a Criterion that I that I haven't seen yet. And I watched Haskell Wexler's Medium Cool. Ah, yes. Yeah, and this one's fucking outstanding, outstanding, outstanding. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Um Man, Robert Forrester's so young in that.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. He's he's one of those guys when you see him young, it's kinda like when we were talking about John Jarrett or when uh what was the other guy we talked about not too long ago? I don't know, it's one of those things where you see him so young and it kind of baffles you at first. It's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> I wasn't expecting he lo- that.
2: He looked like he, when, in this movie, because he's got short hair too, he looks like he could pass for the younger, more handsome brother of a young, mustache-less Charles Bronson. Yeah, I could see that. Because he's got the cut and kind of the smaller eyes, the dark hair, and the higher cheekbones. Mm-hmm so yeah good looking fellow when he was younger for sure but it's a great film man it's uh verna bloom's great in it um yeah and and of course i have to say it it's probably the greatest name in the history of acting peter boners with a z (laughs) i'm never too much i'm never mature enough to look past the name peter boners all week i've had the name peter
1: boners in my head that's a good name (laughs) that's an amazing name Not only that it's boners, but the first name's Peter on top of it is.
2: Oh, I never even realized.
1: It's it's, it's like it's like almost like a. I mean, it's almost too much to play with. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's DP man. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, (laughs) Peter boners. That's amazing.
2: (laughs) Wow, I can't believe I never put that together. Oh
1: well, Peter's not exactly a very well. I guess it's not as popular as it used to be for slang. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever said it myself other than referencing it as being a slang. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like something like somebody's grandma would say. Like, do yeah. not be too offensive. Like, go, go go, go! wipe off your Peter, son.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. My, I think my grandma used to call it a wee. Yeah. Go wipe off your wee.
1: Uh, my grandmother used to call it a pecker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still one of my favorite uh, ways to to refer to it. <laughs> awesome.
2: Um I moved from boners to uh to Arnie, and uh ooh a different type of boner. A different type of boner. I did jingle all the way, which I'd never seen. Oh really? you never seen that one? Nope, never had seen it and uh, I quite liked it. Um
1: Yeah, it's not some, ba- it's not bad. It was uh it's it's definitely gotten better over. It's definitely aged well, I think. I think as were dads too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's
2: a big part of it. Like I can say this. I know I think it was Kinney and Justin. We're saying that it was marketed as a kids' film. It's definitely not a kids' film.
1: <laughs> no, not completely. Definitely
2: not. There's a lot of <laughs> shitty people in it. Uh-huh. But I can tell you, as commentary on the sort of Black Friday Christmas greedy motherfucker society that we live in, yes, it works pretty well. Um, and I, I will, I would be lying if I said I didn't get a lump in my throat at the end when Arnie's in the Turbo Man costume and his son sees him, and yeah, yeah that's pretty great. You know. <laughs> It's it's pretty great, man. But Sin- I hate Sinbad. Ah, oh, he's so terrible in everything.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you know, the problem with Sinbad is, uh, well, he could have fit in really great with the TC two thousand uh, fashion crew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The problem with Sinbad always had was, uh, is that that he he has a look, and his look bothers me.
2: And those suits he wears, man. Yeah,
1: right off the get go, the look bothers me. And uh, even though I do think some of the things he's done in the past are kind of funny, and I think he can be funny. Yeah, uh, his look. Just, uh, uh, it's just not for me.
2: I'll say this for him: in spite of his multicolored double-breasted suits, God <laughs> bless him. In a time of increasingly blue comedians, he he sort of took a stand and yeah, yeah. wanted to make family-friendly comedy. So I didn't like it, but good on him for <laughs> taking a positive stand. I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's always tricky to you know these guys that can do it without being uh, completely lewd. It's 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 not that it's. You know, again, I love lewd comedians, but it's just, um, you know, like him and Seinfeld and, and go back to Bill Cosby and stuff. I mean, it's it's interesting that you can be funny without being all that, without referring to that stuff. So
2: Yeah, Seinfeld's the king of that, man.
1: Yeah, he might be. He might be. I mean, well, you know, some people are going to say Cosby might be the king of that. But either way, I still find it very impressive. Those those guys in particular, I always find impressive that can do that because uh, mm-hmm. they make me laugh. I've seen some stand-ups, some some syndests. Some Sinbad stand-up that, uh, I have to admit, uh, was pretty funny. He can be a pretty funny stand-up sometimes.
2: Yeah, I imagine he could. I wonder, though, if him and Paula Poundstone shared a tailor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Same fucking suits, man. I almost spit coffee all over the desk here.
2: <laughs> Wait till you hear one of the films I watched. You're going to shit your pants. I'd never heard of it. Um, I watched uh, Rare Exports.
1: Oh, which yeah. I had also never seen. It's yeah. on Instant. I watched that uh, a couple years ago, and I think it was on my top thirty list. It might have been on my yeah. top thirty list because it was such a bizarre uh, looking and uh, interesting take on the whole, uh, I guess the Krampus or whatever they call it. The uh, yeah, which I think Keith Allison's a big fan of. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Krampusnacht. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what it is. it is. Um, certainly a unique film, no doubt about that. Yeah, I like the
2: first three quarters more than the last quarter of it. Oh, it's really fantastical with the helicopter and the
1: net and stuff. Yeah, I mean you're on the same page then because some of the problems I had with it was the back end.
2: But otherwise, it almost feels like the thing um, with not quite as much paranoia, but the thing with sort of a Christmas fairy tale vibe. These bearded men and these harsh elements, and there's no women. There's literally no women in the film. (laughs) Naked old men naked old men um it's it's really fun though like it's a really good looking film and i think it's it's a really great addition to the genre fans christmas viewing it's finished right yeah it's finished and what's amazing is i could never tell you this when you'd seen it but remember how me and you had a good laugh about that film and at my finish it isn't what it used to be but that film um Tio. <laughs> M i e h e n t y o o with an umlaut over it. The one that we we got a good chuckle out of the cover, which is we said is so European. It's uh, it's that naked dude standing by that woman combing her hair. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that dude, the, the naked dude on the cover, of that is the bearded guy in this that speaks English. Oh no way. Yeah, Tommy Kropola, I think his name is. Nice, pretty good Finnish actor. So. <laughs>
1: yeah i gotta say finnish film is not a uh, strong suit for me so yeah. it's always cool i mean i, I feel like uh got some good ones yeah i feel like the finnish films i've seen uh i really like the visual style of finnish yeah. movies so yeah, i, I, I might be a might be a country i might dig into more over the next year as far as film goes because that's one yeah. that you know sometimes i like to pick a country and uh kind of dig in a little bit and stuff but finishing uh I know a couple years ago I dug into some Russian film and stuff, and Russian film also has that kind of unique look, kind of harsh, Mm -hmm. interesting look, too.
2: Oh, it totally does, but I think Finland doesn't doesn't churn out a lot of stuff, so you could probably (laughs) get about 10 films in and kind of have at least a decently rounded because they put out some dreadful comedies.
1: Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm, Yeah. You know, you get about 10 in and have a good idea of what it's all about. And the last one I watched before I did the show, again, on instant, cruising around, And uh, I decided to watch one called No More Dirty Deals. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's called No More Dirty Deals. What the hell is this thing? And the cover is a woman in a bikini. It's very 90s. It's like 1993.
1: Okay. And I'm looking it up now on my Netflix. Now, the woman is... Ooh, that is very 1993. Yeah. That's a great yeah. cover. That's a great cover, though. I love the speedboat in the corner. <laughs> That's right. There's a
2: speedboat in the corner, chicken and a bikini with a gun, a guy in a double-breasted shoulder. Oh, suit. I know why you watched it. <laughs> you know why I watched this, because but because playing the lead... Well, one of the leads, Sean Holloway, is none other than Ty Mac of Last Dragon fame. Yeah, there you go. Because yeah, I wasn't watching it for V.B. von Linderberg fame. Uh, <laughs> That's an awesome name, though, V.B. von Lindenberg. Yeah. I'll tell you, this film... Uh, isn't very fucking good. Ooh, but, but the plot is kind of alluring, too, if, if they really went for it. It's a mechanic runs afoul of a group of modern-day pirates when he falls for a female member of a water-based criminal gang. Well, that, that does sound amazing, doesn't it? It does. And in the right hands, <clears throat> this could have been amazing. But this is the kind of director who has delusions of what his film is, and most of the film is talking. <laughs> now, he had access to some real nice cigarette boats.
1: Yeah, the uh, average uh, average of night eighty nine hundred and thirty ratings is two point four stars. Our best guess for Rick two point three stars.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 worth watching for. I mean, I'll tell you what. If Timeck wasn't in it, I would have turned it off. It's but they but weird is they give him a villain role. He's yeah. he's sort of like the the guy who the the lead gets on the wrong side of. He's like this kind of underground. Well, he's the pirate. He's like. Yeah. I but
1: we should, uh, we should say full disclosure that, uh, for our listeners, we've tried to reach out to Time Act to interview him in the past, yeah. and we've never gotten any, uh, never gotten anywhere with it, really. So we tried, we only tried once, mind you, but it, I, you know, and I and, and you, I know, are the same. Like, I'm not going to beg someone. No, no, if he's yeah. not interested, he's not interested. The, uh, so I just clicked on Time Act on Netflix, and there's another <laughs> film, uh, but it's not on, sadly, it's not on, uh, Instant, but there's a film called The System Within that he's in from 2006, which now I'm very curious about. Yeah, I got to look into that. Because I so. thought he pretty much uh, was only doing Broadway stuff or stage stuff nowadays. Yeah, oh. but he plays Pastor Ricky. <laughs> Pastor Ricky. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know about this one. You know what? I'm going to add this No More Dirty Deeds anyway to my list yeah. just to... Uh, Check it out at some point because, you it, know.
2: It's worth watch if you're wide awake and you just you, you, you can be entertained by how inept it is. Yeah. Like, it's so
1: 90s, man. It's a hell of a recommendation. If you're conscious, this is a good film to watch.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. But <laughs> late at night, man, it put me out. Well. It put me out. But, uh, you know, yeah, watch it as a curio piece for time. Off. But that was it. That was my week. So not a bad week at all in all. Nice.
1: Nice. All right. So I watched a few things because I haven't been on for a couple of weeks uh, but didn't watch a whole lot uh checked out uh, frozen at the movie theater with my son very curious to get your thoughts on this well yeah you know i, I like frozen uh but uh, you know it's it's definitely old school disney stuff uh, i think what i like most about it is my son really liked the music in it which i was kind of surprised by he didn't really uh that i didn't see that coming and he really uh still likes the music he likes to sing the songs when he's around the house and stuff so did he like olaf he did like olaf yeah. And uh you know, of course any any character that says grab my butt you yeah. uh, have you know as a young boy that's going to be you're going to be attracted to that immediately.
2: For sure. And you know what I thought my favorite part was the nice nod was the kind of Gene Kelly nod with Olaf's number. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Olaf's number's nice. Nice. Yeah. It's a pretty film. Uh and uh you know, uh, it, it's a kids movie. I mean, I enjoyed it, it uh, but I you know, it's not nothing that uh I would uh, yeah, it would never make a top 30 or anything for me, but it's no. fun fun for my son. And and uh, I did like the reindeer quite a bit and the trolls. Yeah. I wish there was more of the trolls. The trolls were fun. Yeah, I wish there was more of that. So, But, uh, you know, it, it was good. I, 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 I did appreciate that it didn't really waste time. I mean, it literally got right into the Disney of the Disney. Yeah. I mean, it really was like set it up and stuff and i gotta say kristen bell she can uh, she can sing pretty good i didn't expect that either so yeah she can i'm not really a fan of her
2: but credit where it's due she can sing quite well
1: yeah i thought maybe it might have been a double singing for her but it was not so i found that out afterwards because i was totally curious i was like i wonder if that's really her singing because it sounds like her but i don't know because they can you know they can get doubles all the time for voices and singing and stuff so interesting uh, but it was good, yeah, we it, it was only like the second time he went to movie in a movie theater my son's not uh, he 's still not a hundred percent on the ninety minutes of time sitting still, but uh he did a good he did good about uh, sixty minutes of it, and then he really kind of wanted to roll the, the stuff I thought he would be scared of, like the giant ice monster or stuff like that didn 't bother him at all, and some of the stuff oh, yeah. that of course you know you never know what your children are spooked by maybe or what bothers them. Uh, he's more, but he was more bothered by a turn a character took. Oh, right, 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 and kind of the sinister. He he really doesn't like sinister faces. That's, but that's. I think my kids
2: are like that too, man. Well, yeah. Braden more so.
1: Yeah, maybe it's the the kind of del. Yeah, maybe it's kind of the kind of the delicate nature of being a young boy or something. But yeah, he doesn't like it when characters get sinister and uh, start to do the the evil smile, basically the mustache twirling type thing. I don't know the eyes i guess something throws him off there but yeah he was down with the big frozen monster though (laughs) yeah it was a fun fun monster a kind of rank embassy in a way it was yeah 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 and the ice effects were really nice i I gotta say the snow was really uh gorgeous in the film i mean it was really you know very pretty animated snow so there you go
2: (laughs) yeah we did you guys see it 3d we actually only we did we were forced to because um it was the we got there one was sold out and the next one was 3d so we went to see 3d
1: no we didn't have to see 3d um of course i i typically don't because i wear glasses and i it's not really the most comfortable way to watch a film for me anyway but you look like dwayne wayne <laughs> yeah yeah i really do look like i'm in tc 2000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like one of the thugs that hangs out with uh Nikki uh whatever his whatever his name is Nikki uh whatever i can't remember his last name off the top of my head right now but uh yeah so <laughs> Typically, i typically avoid it. Nikki <laughs> Picasso, yeah, that's it. The Picasso, Mike. <laughs> why, why couldn't I? Re- How come I can remember Nikki, but I couldn't remember Picasso? <laughs> it's only one of the most popular names in Amer- in, in the history of the world, <laughs> <laughs> but I can remember Nikki, I just can't remember Picasso. Shit. <laughs> Shit, Nikki Picasso, <laughs> um, I watched, uh, obviously, I watched Blue Velvet and Drug War, which, uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get on the show to review, but, uh, I blue velvet is a classic i love it i've always loved it i uh, wish i would have talked about it with you guys
2: i wish you could have talked to frank booth with those
1: <laughs> oh it's one of my favorite performances of all time man i mean i know yeah. it is like you know it's like a performance everybody's talked about but still i think it's one of the the great insane actor performances of all time oh yeah especially he... this spe- especially the scene in the car when oh, he's yeah. huffing on that shit and <laughs> he punches him or whatever <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you fuck. Yeah. His eyes in that scene, literally, that that, that speaks to me as to how oh. when people talk about Dennis Hopper when he was on his crazy. I bet that was exactly what he was like. <laughs>
2: yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, but it's What are your scores for the films? Just so people can get a bit of an idea what you would have uh, scored them.
1: Blue Velvet, I'd go probably <laughs> 8.75, probably 8.5, nice. 8.75. Yeah, because it's, it's near it, outside of the length of it. Sometimes I think it's near perfect. Yeah, good call, man. And uh, Drug War, I'd, I'd go eight on Drug War. I really like nice. Drug War. Nice, right? I really right. did. And I'm with you on the the better than, well, you've never seen Heat, but. Uh, oh, no, no, I have seen Heat, oh, man. That's right. You, that's right. You need to revisit. I've seen it. Me. Yeah,
2: I haven't seen it, though, since like, you know, theatrical early VHS days. Though, yeah. no, I've, I've seen it. But Because I'm, I'm, first, I'm, one of the first things we talked about was your buddy that's in it, uh, Beardy, um, with the skulllet.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah the, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Now off the top of my head, uh, Chris Ga- uh, something Gage, something Gage. Yeah, an actor that I thought would go on to bigger things, but he's never really done anything else. Uh, Drug War, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. And the shootout I did like. I think the shootout is and uh, well, actually these shootouts in the film are they feel very real and very visceral and uh, for some strange reason pretty disturbing. I don't know what it is. I, I think I told you on the phone it was the sound of it or something. It felt mm-hmm. like real video shootouts you watch. Yeah, uh, if you're into that kind of thing, I've actually watched a few you know YouTube videos of real shootouts in my life, and uh, they're not quite Hollywood. So, no. <laughs> to to go back to an Australian thing, but uh, they they this felt like that. The guns felt real. It wasn't like that uh, spaghetti Western cannon sound or or Hollywood gun sound. It felt like you know those little snaps that you hear of gunfire in a distance. So yeah, that's right, yeah. man. <clears throat> Pretty disturbing yeah. stuff. And Louis Koo is is really great in the film. Very Alain Delon yeah man we missed out on an opportunity to have you do a brother ha ha um yeah a <laughs> <impersonation>. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fun man because that, that's a great character, and the oh, lead yeah. too that that's what we was talking <laughs> you were kind of talking about on the phone <laughs> the lead uh I really liked him a lot too because he he would go from this uh, Takashi katano type stillness to this brother haha ha, insanity and all these other I mean, he was really. Uh, I mean, uh, Toe really had him working the spectrum of acting there. Yeah, and he's really good. He's really good.
2: He is fantastic. So
1: yeah, good film. Um, I know. I know people call it second tier Toe, and, and and maybe maybe that is the case because he's made some real classics. But still, you know, I, I like that he just went pure genre, and uh, that's what this is. So if you're into pure genre, gangsters and guns, uh, you can't get much better than Drug War. At least recently, anyway. I think.
2: With that uh, oh, you know what else i totally forgot man we did muppet christmas carol last night
1: oh yeah you like the muppet christmas carol
2: yeah i hadn't seen it since i was a kid and the way was i was kind of stockpile some uh films from my kids first 15 20 minutes were dicey man they weren't into it but then when the ghost started coming and
1: yeah, yeah. christmas carol <clears throat> it should be said i don't know if i've said it on the air before but christmas carol is my favorite christmas story
2: it's the one I have the fondest memories of. I remember being a kid, like, four years old. Sorry to hijack you here. No, no problem. Um, uh, and I would sneak out late at night, like when my parents would be watching on Christmas, and I was really young, like four or five, and I'd always end up catching part of it with them. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's... it's. I got the fondest memories of that Christmas story, as much as it's it's done to death, is my favorite, because I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Right,
1: right. So,
2: you know, yeah. the TV I watch is... What I put movies on, like right. or sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Christmas carols, nice. And Michael Caine. Uh, I think my kids it was their first Michael Caine movie. So
1: yeah, I think I've. Uh, I I don't know if I've seen every Christmas Carol adaptation, but I'm pretty positive I've seen most of them. It's just the general story itself I just love, and yeah. uh, I love uh, you know the the moral dilemmas of the story, and I it just for me it feels the most like. What uh, people sometimes forget about Christmas about how you should appreciate the moment and without without seeming preachy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, absolutely. I love
2: the George C. Scott version <clears throat> a lot too. So I've far. never seen that one. I think the yeah. only uh, only three I've seen are this, maybe, maybe the
1: perfect casting of Scrooge ever is George C. <laughs> C. Scott. Man,
2: yeah, no <laughs> kidding. This, um, the uh,
1: the original um, with what's his name. Oh, uh Alistair Alistair Sim. Alistair Sim. Alistair Sim, yeah. He's he's a great Scrooge too. He's probably my he second is. favorite Scrooge, yes.
2: So he's the one I always think of because that's what my my parents watched. Uh so that one Scrooged and this are the three that I've seen. I gotta see that George C. Scott one, man.
1: Yeah, you do, yeah, you do. It's really it, it almost feels kinda it, without all the flesh, it almost feels kinda Burton-esque, Kind of Tim Burtonesque in some ways, kinda gothic and very dirty. I think that's what I like about it. It feels it they I think they tried to go for something like real, like set in a real time and it feels that way you know oh nice man so it, I, I it's nice gotta, and of course uh, the uh the ghost in it are a little bit more macabre and and uh when i was a kid of course you know again i was attracted to the horror stuff so of course i would be attracted to that one because the ghosts were a little darker a little bit extra oh nice that, yeah.
2: that'll that be one for me and you know what i gotta get around to this year that i've never seen and i'm so ashamed because somehow it eludes me every year is it's a wonderful life
1: yeah i've seen that so many i mean i i love that film uh for what it is and stuff. Uh, of course, I have not watched it in years because I've seen it. Uh, my grandma and grandpa used to watch it every year, <laughs> every Christmas. Uh, and unlike uh, like Wizard of Oz and certain films, you'd, you'd visit yearly or annually. Uh, it. I, I eventually got tired of it, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I need to revisit that at some point in my, in my life. I have not watched that in forever, so
2: I don't know how. I've never seen. My wife hasn't either. So oh, I think
1: maybe we'll, maybe we'll sit down the next couple of days to watch it. It's, it's kind of a. I guess the best way to describe that film is is it's heartwarming.
2: I know Loaf saw it for the first time, I think, last year. So I kind of don't feel so bad.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those ones, you know. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the only other thing I watched was The Lords of Salem.
2: Oh, I cannot wait to hear what you think of this because I haven't seen it yet.
1: Well, let me tell you something. People? Yeah, let me tell you something, Daddy. People, let me tell you something. (laughs) Um... the truth is, this film kind of floored me. I didn't expect this at all. Uh, visually, this film is one of my favorites of the year. Oh wow! I mean, it's there's some stuff in here that I really loved. I mean, it, it's it there's some gorgeous moments in here and some true insanity. Uh, once again, I will I will say about Rob Zombie. He and I know this sounds like a weird thing, but you know I try to look at all the details when I'm talking about movies and stuff, but. He uses nudity so well, I think, that he really, he should stick to the genre. Now, I know he's going to go away from the genre some, but I think, I, I didn't, I mean, I own the Halloween disc because it has a four-hour documentary on it. I didn't love the Halloween remake. I didn't love I did, the Halloween 2 remake. I didn't. I didn't love uh what was the other thing he did i can't remember what it was but uh, you know house of thousand corpses i liked uh levels, levels reject, reject i loved except for i had a few problems with some parts of it uh and i still think that might still be his best film but this is this is definitely my second favorite rob zombie film and i'm gonna say for right now i, I still got a lot of cramming to do but i'm kind of starting now i got this and i've got uh stoker i'm gonna watch for you soon i know it's not it wasn't huge for you but it still <laughs> feels like one i should probably cram yeah and um, this was one of the first ones I've kind of started with the cram thing. Uh, right now, it's it's definitely a top 30 for me. Nice. For the year, because it's unlike any other film I've seen this year. Uh, Does the end shit
2: the I feel like a lot of people I know love it, but the end shit's the best for them. Do you feel the same way, or the end works fine for you?
1: I think the end works fine for me. I don't really know how else he could have ended it. <laughs> okay. okay. The problems I have with the film is there's this setup in it where sherry moon zombie and she's not great in the film but again she's not great in a lot of films so uh, i don't know how to i don't know how to really kind of criticize that i really wish there was moments where you know she would not even talk but uh, there's moments where she's quiet and she's really pretty good uh so it's very bizarre but there's anyway there's sherry moon zombie and this other actor i can't remember his name off the top of my head is uh and uh he almost looks like a mosley type with his beard and stuff but i guess they couldn't get mosley uh and then there's Ken Foray Ken Foray free for a uh and they play these like DJs these metal DJs that uh play these it's almost like a trick or treat type thing where they play these type of uh ghost or metal music which of course is, coincides with horror and so anyway they they have this kind of banter and stuff and it's pretty obnoxious and really if they wouldn't have had that in there i think you know i would have liked it a lot more but it, it, at least it isn't the the white trash kind of thing that zombie always loves yeah. to put in there and i don't feel like for the first time i don't feel like every other word in one of his films is fuck
2: which gets annoying
1: <laughs> it does it really does and uh i feel like he had a through line i really do and i never ever thought i would see what's the name of that lady that was in uh, they live that we talked meg foster oh meg foster yeah well you get to see meg foster's cunny and uh no way. oh she's full on nude a lot in this film she's older too Maybe yeah she's gotta be like it's a brave it's a brave performance for meg foster i don't know what she what why she decided to do it but i was pretty impressed that uh she decided to go full tilt and she goes full tilt and uh it's a pretty brave performance i think uh you know not oscar worthy nothing like that but uh people should have mentioned that the performance is pretty brave it's insane it's an insane performance and there's like I say a lot of good nudity in the film, uh some good scares, but it's not really you can definitely tell that he's doing a little bit of Italian horror in here. And I was gonna ask, I hear a European thing, uh Yeah, in, very European, a little bit of it. Franco. Uh a little bit a little bit of all that stuff in there. Here's what I'll say. I don't know if you'll like it or not. I don't because I think it's a divisive movie. But I will say it's worth your time to check it out. Definitely. Don't definitely uh, I, don't defi- I definitely intend on cramming it. Yeah. Don't avoid it because of some things you've heard. Um, again, you might come out of it and say, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. But it's one of those films where it's like, either it gets you or it doesn't. And I remember Kelly saying he loved it. And then, of course, I remember John uh, Ross back when he saw it at TIFF a couple of years ago, I guess now. Hated he, it. Yeah, he hated it. But I don't even, of course, I don't know if that cut was the same cut I saw. Because, you know, festival cuts can sometimes be different. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's a, it's a, it's interesting. I got to say, man, and definitely check it out in high definition if you get to watch it. Because visually, it is, uh, it is lush. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely will. I did have some also issues with uh, Sherry Moon Zombie's wardrobe in the film—a uh, little too hipsterish for me. But uh, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> fur fur coats and stuff—you know—it's like, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it felt a little bizarre, but uh, you know, it's set in, it's shot in uh, Salem, and it it looks nice. And uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have any other words to say other than the fact that I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's only like an hour and a half, or like ninety or a hundred minutes long, and I think it's like uh, the way it ends. The way it sets itself up is nice. Nice. It's a good movie, man. Very good.
2: I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah, because we've he, always said he's a great, he's a very talented filmmaker just to get to get out of that yeah. white trash aesthetic and the sort of grindhouse aesthetic he'd been mired in for 10 plus years.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've talked about his aesthetic before and how we think there's a lot of potential there. And, um, yep. you know, he got caught up in the Halloween thing. I mean, that took up uh, probably a good six years of his filmmaking career six or seven years when you add them together maybe not that much maybe four but still and then he comes around and tries to do an original piece and kind of gets blasted and i think when he does the original pieces be they flawed or difficult for people to get into at least they're original and that's what i got to say about this film it's it's a witchcraft film it's interesting uh it takes some turns that are bizarre and I don't know. I just, I, you know, I found myself terribly entertained. So definitely check it out. All right. And like I say, right now, top 30. But man, we got a long way to go. The cram's really going to start kicking in now. So pretty soon. So Next couple of weeks, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got to start a little early. But uh, yeah, the uh, the cram's coming. So but I was looking through my list the other day and I got some pretty good stuff in there for top 30. So we'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah, I feel like you got some good stuff. And you know, one you got to try to get to when I mean, it comes out the second week of January is the great beauty.
1: Yes. Yes. That's definitely one that's on my list. Uh, uh, we need to start a thread actually and pin it on our board, uh, pin it on our Facebook group of every recommendation. People think we should cram for the end of the year. I know we won't be able to get to all of them, but, uh, there might be some gems out there that even you and I, as any film buff knows, and any film buff that's busy in their personal life, uh, we miss stuff all the time. So Uh we need, we, we, we probably need to pin one. And, uh, Start getting people's wrecks. Start cramming, jamming.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's getting to that time. I'm going to try yeah. to get in a few more all-time greats before the year ends, like um, uh, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp and
1: a couple other ones. Ooh, yeah. We'll see you. It... All right, so we're going to take a short break. What do you want to talk about first here? we only got about an hour about so. <laughs> uh, let's talk about TC2000. Okay. We'll be back right after this. Unless, unless you want to do Underground. No, I'll do, t- I'll do either one. I don't care. <laughs> The TC2000's found me. We'll rock and roll on it. Okay, let's, let's do it. Alright, we'll be back right after this. No one would have believed
3: in the first years of the 21st century that Hammer films were being watched from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that Amicus films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered. The possibility that this area of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the Gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew with their plans against it. The Hamakas Podcast Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Woo! Amicus.com and iTunes. Cheers.
1: Yes. Mine's immeasurably more superior than ours. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Uh, okay, so TC2000. Who wants to lead on this? You want to lead on this? You want me to lead on it? You want to lead on it? Uh, on sure, you? I can. That's fine. Okay, Sounds good to me. All right, I might let you lead on both of them this week. I don't know why, but my notes—I cool. don't feel like my notes were great this week. I don't know. We'll see. That's cool. We'll throw it out We'll we'll, we'll uh, throw it out there. Once sometimes when uh, you start talking, I'll start remembering more and more stuff. So, all right, TC2000. I'll synopsize this puppy here. Uh, somewhere in the future, the environmental overkill had come. Many people had died. The rich were able to build the underworld. The poor had to stay on the surface, <laughs> building gangs to survive. Jason Storm. <laughs> An underworld guard gets knowledge of a conspiracy to kill all people on the surface. (laughs) He needs to flee to the surface and win Sumai, a respected martial arts master, and his ally to stop the dirty plot. And oh boy, is Sumai a lot of fun in this film. (laughs) We haven't even mentioned who Sumai is, but those who have seen this film know who Sumai is. So, all right. Large William, what did you think of TC2000? Well, both of us had seen it before. Yeah. And uh, how could you how could you not and, watch this? If you see the cover of this thing,
2: it's a pretty legendary cover in terms of early '90s uh, video stores. Yes, it just it's amazing. It's such an amazing cover. It's kind of got this pinkish, like a steel kind of font that they used. Um, it's got a very pinkish purplish <laughs> hue with like a like a hard drive component sort of in the backdrop and. And uh, Billy Blank's oiled with like a backpack on, pleated dress pants up to his mid-chest almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, those sunglasses, like those Oakleys with a gun in hand and hand on hip. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the year is 2020. He's mostly human and <laughs> <I'm> totally invincible <laughs> yeah.
1: until now. 2020, not too far from now. So. <laughs> not too far at all. We're six years from this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. For six years from it, so obviously we're all going to be wearing Cosby sweaters and shit again pretty soon. Yeah, and surf style. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Adamant makeup, uh, like Adamant makeup, right? A lot of Adamant
2: makeup, absolutely. I have to ask. We've seen a lot of films that have had casts that are very (laughs) GGTMC. This might be the try outside of something like. Pumping Iron, this oh, yeah. might have the greatest trio of tough tits we've ever had on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is one of those films where they cast strictly for the reasoning of uh, lack of shirt budget.
2: Yes, and <laughs> man, do they go for it. You know, you have Billy Blanks, who is a specimen. He is. He's a big dude. Like, when we had Lauren Avedon on, he talked about how big and strong and fast Well, actually, ironically, I think that uh, Lawrence worked with, if not all three of these guys, at least two of them, we know for sure. Yeah, two of Um, them we know for sure. Yeah, right. um, So Billy Blanks is, you know, it's it's that action, action film lineage of great names, Jason Storm.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: It is a good one, and of course uh, Matthias from Matthias Hughes from Germany, who was born on Valentine's Day, which is fitting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I friended him on uh, Facebook this year, and I love the post he has because he's still in great shape. Oh yeah, he's a specimen. Uh, right? I think he's fifty four, fifty five years old. The guy's in great shape, man, and uh, he posts a lot of great pictures of like him with cats and stuff. I love it.
2: <laughs> oh wow, that's amazing! And for
1: those who don't know, uh, Matthias Hughes is actually related to Inglebert Humperdinck. His uh, mom yeah, right. is uh, the niece of Inglebert Humperdinck. That's so, amazing. So he's got some lineage there. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm looking at his Facebook, thing. "Man, he is still in
2: great fucking shape."
1: He really is, and he's yep. he's one of those actors who has a, just a great look, Matthias Hughes. He has, I mean, once you see him, you never forget him. I think he has a, a, just an outstanding look. He's definitely a presence. He's got to
2: be about like what six four, maybe like he's a big dude. Oh, here he's on a fucking Mac on a uh,
1: like uh, what's it called. <laughs> He is six like born in North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany. Waltrip, in nineteen fifty and nine, two hundred and fifty pounds. And one of the man. things they say about him is he's extremely fast for that age, uh, for that size, and <laughs> probably for his age now too. But uh. absolutely, man. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, yeah, he's he's great, man. He's great for sure.
2: We should maybe try to get him on the show sometime.
1: Yeah, I think his uh, I think his English is really good. So I think yeah. it is very great. Yeah, because he he
2: says some jokes here um, in English that kind of translate like they're, they're a keen sense of uh, of the language. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I love him. I've I've loved him all the years I've seen him, and of course, I love the genres he's in. The you know the action genres and all that stuff. And but he's he's a real deal too, though. You know, he's really a martial artists and stuff. And, uh, Fighter. Yeah. Taekwondo and kickboxing. yeah, yeah he, can,
2: right. he can hang, man. Like, I, I think this is his final collection of big, brawny martial arts talent that can legitimately throw down because we haven't got to number three yet, but I'll say I'm now Bolo.
1: Yeah, good old Bolo.
2: <laughs> good old Bolo, as, as the aforementioned Master Sumai, yeah. who inexplicably they decide to give a much higher hairline than he has in real life.
1: Yeah. What? what another. Th- <laughs> another thing that's weird about this film is really Bolo. I think. I think this was kind of like a Bolo vehicle or something. Because really, they sell it as Billy Blanks on the video cover and stuff. But I think on the original video cover, Bolo actually gets first. Yeah, Bolo gets first billing. Bolo uh, Jalal Marie, we we haven't talked about yet, and he's also worked with Lauren Avedon, and uh oh, yeah. and then billy blanks billy blanks actually gets third billing on the cover of the uh the dvd and the vhs or whatever but i think they kind of because jalal is a, uh, a former i believe i might be wrong about this but i believe he's a former canadian jeweler
2: yeah and, he is yeah he is. he's he's still i just my he's still in toronto yeah
1: and he decided Produced a lot of films. yeah he started to decided to make films and he's directed mm-hmm. a few films, which uh, Lauren Avedon's been in. I think he was in the circuit. He did the circuit films. I know Lauren Avedon was in one of those, maybe two of them. And uh, he's acted in quite a few films too, uh, with Avedon as well. Um, Tiger claws too, I think, or three. One of those Cynthia Rothrock films or something. But yo, go. The Operation Golden Phoenix is him and Lauren Avedon. Top, uh, which yeah, uh, we, we should watch that at some point. That'd probably be pretty yeah, cool. Man. But, yeah, I don't uh, know if I've ever seen it, actually. He's actually Lebanese, or born from born in Brazil from Lebanese parents. But uh, he'll come up again because he is also, uh, he's he's going to come up, yeah, GGTMC material. He'll come up again. But, Big time. But, yeah, I think they might have created yeah. this as a vehicle for Bolo and, uh, you know, because Bolo was pretty popular in the early 90s
2: yeah he was well you know he was, he was coming off the, the crest of uh, Bloodsport and a few other things which you know as much as he had a memorable part in Under the Dragon and real hardcore people knew him yeah, that was when in America he really or North America he crossed over
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think in a big way because you know us being in the VHS boom Bloodsport was a huge cable and
1: VHS film yeah yeah if you were really into Asian film you knew Bolo but if you weren't really yeah. into Asian films then probably your first real brush with Bolo was probably Bloodsport Mm-hmm. probably that no it's so. true it's true but it's so we i just found it so
2: weird that they decided to make i guess they were maybe trying to make him look older or more bald by shaving like the front of his hair off to make him look like he has a higher hairline <laughs> yeah what a yeah. what a poor hair what a terrible haircut to have to endure for a few months man
1: yeah The one of the or other yeah one of the unfortunate things about being bolo in this uh, i think is you know bolo's a very thick man um, but uh, unfortunately he he's in a he's in a film with a bunch of six foot tall plus giants <laughs> And he really, yeah, he is. He really shows his uh, true size uh, as far as height he looks goes. Like he's about five eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd
2: never realized he was so short. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's, Unless blanks is like six three or something. No, he's six foot. Uh, it, says he okay? it says here that says here that the bolo is 5'6".
2: Oh wow! I didn't realize how short. Because they always shoot him from the bottom to make him look more uh, imposing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, or from like overhead, and you know, but. Uh, yeah, what's great is, uh, well, I'll get to it, actually. I was going to mention some Bolo wares in this film, but I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So you know where I'm going with it. Um, what's awesome, though, when this film opens, it, it feels very much like a Frankie Goes to Hollywood video because um, I, I, I proclaimed out loud, hit me with those laser beams. Yes. got like that, that effect of like that foggy kind of uh, light show, you know, I used to see in the 80s yeah.
1: where it would shimmer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, I, I got I to, gotta, hang on a second. I just came across something that's kind of blowing my mind, and I got to share it. Yeah. Okay. So I was wondering what Bolo's up to. And Bolo has a film, evidently that was made by a gentleman named Sal- Salamat Muhammad Ali, in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Uh, produced by Armand Desante, who also stars in it. <laughs> but this what? cat, this listen to this cast. This this film's not ava- available yet. Armand Asante, Tiny Lister, Peter O'Toole, Carrie. <laughs> Kerry Hiroyuki Yuki Tagawa, who you know Kerry. Yeah. Don the Dragon Wilson and Bolo Young. Oh my, oh my god. What's
2: Peter O'Toole doing there? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I thought his last Gee. film. I thought he retired, but evidently he made this thing. It was. has th- got a thirty million dollar budget, made in Kazakhstan.
2: Thirty million dollars. Do you know how much thirty million would st- home that dollar would stretch in Kazakhstan? That would be like a one billion dollar
1: film. The film is known. You as You could have the whole country as extras. The film is known as "The Whole World at Our Feet," and uh, not available oh my yet. God. <laughs> I hope this thing comes out sometime Damn. soon. Oh
2: man, we gotta we (laughs) gotta cover this. Yeah, when it comes up, Peter O'Toole, man, that's crazy. He's old now. He's got to be like eighty something.
1: God, yeah, I thought he retired from acting. So maybe he made this before he in 1932. Peter O'Toole was born. Yeah, so he's he's up there. He's 80 plus. Uh, I guess he didn't retire from acting because he's got a couple more films coming out. Mary and Catherine of Alexandria. Alexandria. So I guess he's still working. So.
2: Maybe the whole world at our feet rejuvenated him. Yeah, well, maybe His
1: craft. it did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this film—that film just became like the—the the, it became our command performance almost, like a, the film I'm most yeah. anticipating now.
2: I'm um, seeing, uh, and this Salamat uh, Muhammad Ali has never done anything else. He's really going for fucking broke with this one.
1: He may have self-financed it, maybe.
2: Maybe. Maybe. Wow, that's incredible. Um, this feels to me very much like a, an Albert Pun
1: film. Oh, yeah, totally, man. It's one of my notes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, actually, uh, I think it would, I'll be honest with you, the problems I have with this film are maybe directorial stuff because I feel like Puyun could have made a better film here because, you know, I think I, I agree. underrated.
2: I agree. Pion's, yeah, I, I would agree. I think pun is an underrated filmmaker. Yeah. Um, uh, because it reminds me of like some of the Olivier Gruner films that Pym uh, was doing around that time. Was Cyborg a Shapiro Glickenhaus film?
1: Or was that a canon film?
2: Uh, that, good question. I don't I, know. I'll look it up. You go ahead. Um, I'm glad to see that sidecars are alive and well in the, in, in the future. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah, the <laughs> uh, travel choice of all self-respecting. Well, the, that,
1: that's how we get to the podcast studio, me and you, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. When we kind of alternate the sidecar. That way neither one of us feels like yeah. our head's getting too big. Yeah, neither
2: one of us. That's right, man. We alternate the sidecar. <laughs> um, and uh, what's great is, for some reason, blowtorch masks, welding masks have replaced motorcycle helmets. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just for confirmation, uh, Cyborg is a canon film.
2: Oh, Okay, okay. Um, this film cobbles from a lot of sources. Oh, yeah. Whether it's... Mad Max, Terminator, a very obvious one being Robocop. Yes. Even down to the point where when they have um, Bobby Phillips as Zoe Kinsella, um, <laughs> she's, what's interesting about her turn is she plays the Nancy Allen partner complete with the short hair. Yeah. But she undergoes a transformation. Yes. Later on in the film, uh, sort of like a Christy Swanson deadly friend-esque. Yeah. <laughs> transformation
1: definitely that type of transformation yeah. yes you're right she turns into a girl from a warrant video is what it feels like to me yeah, <laughs> yeah like, no kidding or like even
2: like a yeah maybe fucking wasp or something a lot of leather and studs on that outfit man yeah,
1: i like bobby phillips she's actually a uh, student yeah she's a student of uh, billy blanks because he's a teacher oh wow not.
2: Yeah. i have to say i think she acquits herself pretty well for a woman who's really playing among the kind of these big brawny giants of the genre.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, but Which the only thing so that broke. holds her back, I think in this film is her dubbing is really terrible. I don't know if that's her voice or somebody yeah. else's voice, but her he are really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. That's a good point, man. <laughs> um,
2: blanks for man. blanks. Talk about bad hair, but oh, uh, this is Billy's really choice. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sure hair man i don't want to spend too much time on it poor billy but
1: uh, yeah that, that is a yeah. what i love about billy blanks in this film is he not only is he like this hard-boiled rick deckard type of blade it also curves from blade runner we should say that and
2: right right down the thing that's most blade runner about this is jason storm's apartment
1: <laughs> yeah. oh, where
2: and he it, offers up where he offers up bowls of muscle pasta <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was getting ready to say, man, he, not only is he a tough guy, but, you know, he does he's very tender with his muscle pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Have some of my muscle pasta. Relax. Oh, amazing. But uh, he also does the narration and stuff. and uh, so Which feels is very, also great. Very... Yeah.
2: <laughs> very Blade Runner. Like, yeah. noir Yeah, absolutely, man. And that you know, was my note, And too.
1: the weakest thing about Billy Blanks, let's be honest, I think the weakest thing about him as an actor, and I like him because I think he's got a presence, and I know you do, too. Um, his his line delivery has always been a problem. Um, to agree, but you know what I think, and this is this is going to maybe sound crazy
2: to some, but I think he has more charisma than, because here's the here to me is a dirty little secret that no one wants to admit. <laughs> I think that Carl, as much as I love Carl Weathers, I think Carl Weathers is far too likable for his own good. Carl Weathers doesn't have an edge, and as much as I like Action Jackson because it's a snapshot of 80s Black exploitation, it's got vanity and, yeah. and stuff, Carl Weathers is not a badass. Carl Weathers is the kind of guy you want to be your dad.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And which, is,
2: which is so strange because he had that mojo working as Apollo Creed, but other than that, he's just such an offshocks, likable guy.
1: Yeah, there is something about Carl Weathers, you're right. Uh, you know, I, I don't get it, but uh, it's, it's true. He feels. Too, I don't know, for lack of a better word. Yeah, wholesome, yeah. He feels too Cosby or something. He's very,
2: he just he's very likable, very wholesome. He doesn't have an edge. But I at least think that um, Blanks can bring that swagger and that edge and that that natural charisma, which to me overrides his uh, sometimes slightly clumsy line delivery.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know. also the thing about the line delivery is sometimes that can be the fault of the director too, by holding the camera mm-hmm. too close to the face and making it, making it a little too obvious for a listen, you know, for a viewer to think, you know, come on, man, to, you know, cut away a little bit every now and then maybe give him a, give him a break. Cause there's just moments where he looks like he's uncomfortable when I know he's not yeah. because he's running around in a mesh half shirt.
2: That's right, man. <laughs> there's a lot of GG in this film. Oh my God. Um, so much. There's what's Picasso, we should say Nikki Picasso, yeah. he uh his gang is the slowest repelling down a wall <laughs> gang in the history of cinema. Yeah.
1: yeah, these guys this is their first mission or something. <laughs> with with ropes. Yeah. They're coming down two at a time
2: over the course of like uh, uh. I don't know how long, man. They need to get more rope. <laughs> they need to descend at the same time, man, because if you're if you're gonna take on uh Zoe Kinsella and Jason Storm you need more than two men at a time man
1: I also felt like you know one of the other weird things about the uh, Nicky Picasso gang uh, although that gang is like I said, I think one of my notes is uh, the gang is I mean, Nicky Picasso and his gang is full tilt G G T M C TMC uh, <laughs> yeah you know, there's power uh, as far as electricity all throughout this movie. I don't know why they can't power the jukebox, but I guess it. I guess it, <laughs> yeah. I guess it adds a, an element that you spin it by finger. So yeah, know.
2: that's it's very strange. You know what's weird is there's like that um, that that observation room or whatever that the uh, the police or whatever um, have. It's it's very analog. Like it looks more 1983 than 93. Yeah. You know where all the white lab coat people are? hmm mm-hmm. Very, very, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's so much great fashion on display in this from uh, from everyone. Like, even, even Hughes wears, like, those spaghetti strap tank tops. Yes. <laughs> which are amazing. And we get a really great... Um oh, did you see that dude before I get to it? Um, that dude, I wish he hadn't been in a more. He was, like, the third Paul brother. Like the third barbarian brother, oh yeah, yeah. killed pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. He was he was like one of the Paul brothers. Um, And uh, again, a lot of do rags in this film. In fact, no one escapes. I think other than shoes, no one escapes do rag uh, do rag jail time. Even fucking Bolo Young is rocking the do rag in this. Yeah, he's got the do rag and the bomber jacket on. It's amazing, man.
1: Fuck. What did uh, What did Carl say a long time ago? It was out of Nana's uh, <laughs> Nana's. Nana's sock drawer. Yeah. <laughs> the whole wardrobe uh, in this film man. is out of Nana's sock drawer. This, yeah, man. Her fishnets go on uh, Billy Blanks's chest.
2: Fucking <laughs> and, and then Hughes. We get a great just one of the things we love about action cinema. Is the high levels of homoeroticism, man? Oh God! There's this, there's this amazing fight, this oiled <laughs> wrestling match between Blanks and Hughes, <laughs> and uh, talk about slash fiction, man! Hughes is wearing fucking bicycle shorts and combat boots and nothing else. Oh my God! And, sh- and uh, fucking Blanks <laughs> is, is got his like little black pants on, no shirt, and they're just wrestling around together, all oiled up, and it's. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty amazing,
1: <laughs> It really is. Those are some short shorts well, Hughes is rocking, man. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, those, you know, we, we, should were,
2: all, we were a few inches away from Coin Purse, man.
1: Yeah, we should also mention that everybody rocks a beret in this at some point, it seems like, too, except Billy Blanks, who I guess could not get the beret over his hairstyle. Yeah, uh, it would just kind of sit there on top, man, and yeah. flop around. Because he has, like, this not only, like, a, like a flat-top box-type haircut, like a kid-and-play thing going, but, like, a... Gumby. Yeah, almost like a Gumby-esque type uh, thing going on. It's very bizarre. And uh, there's no way he could have wore one, but yeah, Matthias Hughes in a beret, man. That's right there. That's gold. That's when you know you're in GGTMC land.
2: I can't think of which character off the top of my head, but Hughes should have been in Street Fighter. The
1: film. Yeah, he should have. Uh, he he, 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 you know, he should have been in a lot of things, I think. I think he has a presence. Uh, unfortunately, he kind of right. got relegated to the world of uh, straight-to-video action, but
2: yeah, but these these again, these guys are specimens, man. Like to see Blanks and him go at it as much as you've been kind of joking about it, it's legit, man. I That's mean, they what, can go. Yeah. And I yes. said for these two guys to be as big as they are and to look as impressive as they do fighting, it's really testament to their skill. Yeah, it's one of
1: my favorite scenes in the film is the Blanks Hughes fight.
2: Yeah, and I think it's that thing too where Mary, he as a producer, um, and Scott had a, a decent pedigree. He did a lot of TV stuff like Zena and Hercules. He did a lot of a. Yeah, he's you know, a competent. I, I would I wouldn't say the film's great. Certainly, it's great for people like us, but it's it's competent. I think considering the
1: budget. Yes, I agree. I agree. You know, it's he, not inept. Yeah, he he uh he still works quite a bit. He still works in yeah. TV quite a bit. But he uh he has made some good stuff, and he's worked on a lot of television stuff, including the Robo. After this, he did the RoboCop TV series. Did an episode of that. Ironically, yeah. But he did uh, stuff um, like uh, the Magnificent Seven TVs. He's also known as the director of Young Hercules, which uh, yeah is a pretty infamous uh, straight to DVD uh, film as being pretty awful. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's still working. He works for the BBC quite a bit. Uh, makes a lot of stuff for them and stuff. So, Holy. a few things. He did an episode of. He did two episodes of Himalayan Grove, that Eli Roth show I yep. watched on uh, Netflix. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, I saw that when I was looking through his filmography. Hmm. Um, what is it, this is a convention that I don't think we've ever mentioned on the show, but what is it about the post-apocalypse that whenever there's an underground fight scene in the post-apocalypse, they always have to have a reaction shot of a dwarf watching the fight? <laughs> yeah. You ever notice that there's always a dwarf ringside at post-apocalyptic underground fights?
1: I don't understand it okay. either, really. <laughs>
2: um <laughs> Nicky Picasso has a, a Chinese dude in his gang that has an amazing Chinese mullet. Oh, my God. That is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really is incredible. And uh, another thing about Nicky, Cap- Nicky Capasso, Nicky Picasso <laughs> yeah. is that his gang fucking loves candelabras. Oh, my God. They love candelabras. <laughs> so many. Between those and Nerf basketball nets, they got it on lockdown. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, oh man! Well, you know it is uh, the the apocalypse. You know you got to get your entertainment somewhere. Candelabras and Nerf basketballs. Nerf basketball, man. Not exactly the it's, first places I would look for entertainment if the the world came to an end. But hey, no,
0: no, <laughs> definitely not, man. It's, uh,
2: ooh, I, I I didn't do coffee this morning. Um, um, but yeah, the the thing the, the the material of choice here seems to be either leather or furs for the bad guys, or surf style. Um. did you see the one girl in the lab she looked like the love child of Curtis Armstrong that's Booger from uh, Nerds and Feruza Balk
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's but. a couple That's a couple I never would imagine I don't even want to <laughs> oh, you just that was her daughter he just made uh, Zom go off to the corner and start jerking off again
2: You <laughs> <laughs> starting wiping something on the walls man <laughs> Um this also has a very much a unisol feel too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Universal Soldier for those uh that don't know, but uh yeah, very much a unisol thing going on and um Oh man, you know who was so gross in this was that big gross leather S and M dude that Bolo takes down in the alleyway.
1: Yeah, I was looking for the the credit for um, that guy. He's a he's a, he's obviously a giant of some sort. He's a He is huge. I wonder if he's a wrestler. I don't know. That's why I was looking through the filmography, or through the filmography, through the uh, the credits, and I can't find any, like, there's no, like, giant thug or no, uh, there's no, oh, here it is, the That's giant. Right. Gary Robbins is the giant. Gary Robbins. So I'm looking now to see what Gary Robbins might also be in. Let well, me know. He, I, he, looked like, he looked a bit like Big Show with less hair and more gross. Yeah, he was in, uh, he played one of the uh, mutants in Wrong Turn, so we got that. Yeah, because he's
2: big, right? So, yeah. yeah.
1: Looks like he did. He worked with Billy Blanks again and back in action that same this same year. Nice,
2: yeah. Um, yeah he's a big dude, man. He's very strong. He was spinning those tires like it was a fucking bottle of water.
1: Yeah, he was in Narc playing a biker, and uh, he played a biker in The Love Guru. That was the last thing he did. So, ooh, ooh he died this year. Uh, ooh, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. That is, First it's state. really sad. He did. He died. He died on December 11th. Two he's, days, three days, four days ago. Yeah, he died four days ago, bro. At Saint oh, Catherine's. Oh man. In Saint Catharines. Ontario, Ontario. That's
2: that's right, now, buddy. That's right near Niagara Falls, man. Yeah, that's, that's like that's crazy, family near there. Wow. Well, rest in peace. Yeah, that's that's terrible, man. That terrible. really you is terrible.
1: Old. Yeah. Ooh, he's in a film called uh, Gladiator Cop. It looks fun. That's a great. That's oh, a wow. that's a great title that's for a movie, a great, man. <laughs> yeah.
2: Amazing title. Um. <laughs> oh, uh, I have to think. I, I don't know what it is, but it seems. And one of the things that the, the Billy Blanks, I think. You know, you talk about what is it with pitchers? They're like, um, what's the term when they have a lot of pitchers pitches in their arsenal?
1: What do you call them?
2: Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't even. Or, know. or no, what's the term with baseball? Are they call him like a what is it? A five tool guy? What is the term?
1: Okay, I can't even think right now. I don't even know why I'm a baseball yep. guy, and I can't even think of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's these
2: me. prospects that they can do this, they can do that. They call them, I think, five tool guys or something. But one of Plank's tools, or one of the tricks he like, one, I think one of his strengths he feels is that he loves to have a scene where he wakes up from a nightmare shirtless between the sheets. <laughs> because we get a few of those in this. We get the scenes in King of the Kickboxer where he's between the sheets. He, he loves shooting scenes shirtless uh, between the sheets, man.
1: Oh, did you know, I'm still looking at this thing, this Robbins guy. Tallest man in Canada at one point in time. A one he's time, fucking big. Yeah, a one-time pro wrestler known as the Paul Bunyan of the North. Oh, wow. So I guess he was really big in Canadian wrist. He was seven foot five. That, that is a big dude.
2: Seven foot five?
1: Yeah, that is a big dude. My God. He was like
2: two feet taller than Bolo, man. <laughs> yeah, well, you could tell he was a big dude. Yeah, you could tell he's still definitely,
1: he towers over Bolo in this film.
2: Yeah, totally. Hmm, um, crazy. What else do we got here? We got leather fingerless gloves. Um, it's one of those weird oh, things. I, I'm,
1: I'm watching this film, and when I watched this film, Gary Robbins was still alive. And now we are reviewing yeah. it, and Gary Robbins is gone. It's crazy. It's
2: crazy, man. Um, but something that I mentioned that there's a reveal at the end of the show that's kind of silly make cute is I have a lot of Greek friends, and I know that Zoe means life. And my note is Zoe means life, ironically. And then we find out that she says that at the end. So I was like, oh, fuck. But uh, there's a great, um, there's this really amazing watermelon busting training montage <laughs> with, uh, with Billy Blanks and. Oh yeah, and master yeah, Sum-
1: we yeah we should say Master Sumai is the master of uh, punching through solid objects. Well, he sets that up in the beginning about punching through a person, I believe. Yeah, but-
2: and what's awesome, my favorite shot in the film is when they're both shirtless, lying on their stomachs, looking at that. Um, that pendulum, you know, where you you pull the one ball and it clicks the other balls, yeah, the little steel balls. That's my new um, uh, screen or uh, what's it called? I never remember the name of it. Cover photo is <laughs> them on the floor looking at that thing.
1: <laughs> it's a kind of a romantic moment where they're watching the balls. Yeah, it's amazing. How do you master um, the chi force, Master Sumai? Oh yeah, it's it's fun, man.
2: And the the one one of the main villains in this, other than Nikki Picasso, looks like. Uh,
1: He's like Gerald McCraney's sculladed brother. Are you sure you're talking about the general guy? Uh, yeah, I can't remember what his name is. is he the, the Overlord? Is he the Over? No,
2: he's not the Overlord. I don't
1: he? think he's the Overlord. I think that's Barker. the older guy, right? I don't. Is he Barker? He might be. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of names in the Zircon Blade. I don't remember. Sparks. <laughs> there is a lot of names like that in here. Rat True. face.
2: Rat face. That guy was gross. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he looked like the dude from uh, from uh, Road Warrior that that rode the, I can't remember his name, he's a pretty good Australian character actor. He's in spare wheels or sp- spare parts or midnight wheels or whatever the fuck it's called. He drives the helicopter with the bicycle uh, pedals. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember his name now, but that's who he reminds me of. But uh, um, uh, what do we got here? Oh, I don't know, but this was shot in Toronto. I was wondering where it was shot, and I have to say, almost the entire film was shot underground, like in like a. I have to wonder if Mayor, he had access to like a power plant of some
1: sort. That's what it looks like. It, uh, I was going to ask you. I don't know if uh, I mean, obviously, there's probably more than one power plant in Toronto. There'd have to be, <laughs> but I was going to ask you if any of that stuff looked familiar to you. Like even the apartment, the apartment complex has almost got this kind of Gomorrah type yeah, look concrete? to it. Yeah.
2: yeah. I don't know. I have to think maybe that was like um, Darlington or I don't know, one of the power plants. There's a Pickering, which is about um, – it's between me and Toronto, so it's about 15 minutes from me. Um, it could have been there. I don't know, because that one – what was pretty impressive – actually, what's a, what's ironic, the two films, the through line between the two films this week. Yeah, I know.
1: Uh, I got the same note.
2: Mess shirt, <laughs> shirts and these really impressive uh, shots of um,
1: – these kind of concrete subterranean ladder, like with ladders, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're both, I mean, we both, a lot of these films we watch basically take place underground, both these films. I mean, there's like this underground, underground? yeah, there's the underground element to it. It's very strange how these worked out.
2: Yeah, it's it's very, very strange that the through line just through randomly programmed films are fashion choices and (laughs) where uh, the residents of the films live by choice or not.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, Okay, so what, what, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, no, 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 the no. Uh, yeah, the, so when I saw this was shot in Toronto, I wanted to ask you, like I said, if there's any, I'd be curious where it was. I mean, it'd be cool if you could uh, find those spots and get some pics of Large William in the spots where TC2000 was shot. i big basketball
2: net, man.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get your beret, too. You know you got one.
2: I got to get a beret. You know, we
1: should really ask,
2: you know, John because if we get him on the show, I would want to know that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
2: would I think be we cool. could get him, man. He's a Toronto boy, so.
1: Yeah, I think you probably could get him, too, because he's still, I think he's still active. I think he's still yeah. producing films. Um, Let me see here, actually. He's doing
2: some conspiracy show now. Yeah. As a producer, director.
1: Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's what he's up to nowadays. But, you know, I mean, like I say, he'll come up again on the show. And also, so will this credit, uh, Music by Verouge. Um, yeah, what was that? <laughs> <The> <laughs> well, they, Lebanese band or something? I, I guess that, maybe, maybe it's uh, Marie's band or something. I don't know because uh, they did a few more films with him as well. So I'm looking uh, looking through. The, they will come up again but, because they they did a lot of uh, GGTMC-type material, man, including Back in Action. They did all the Tiger Claws films. Yeah, Back in Action is fun. Tiger Claws is fun. Yeah. Did a film called Expect to Die with Marie. Ooh, that's got him and David Bradley in it. That's interesting. Oh nice. David Bradley, the American Samurai himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um yeah, this film is a lot of fun. I I you know, I think that uh it's the overall rating on IMDb is a you know, always a bad signifier of what you might get out of an actual movie. I think it's a four point one accumulated over uh fourteen well no five hundred and sixty three users have seen this and they give it a four point one. Now, I'll agree Parts of it look a little cheap, although I think he stretches the dollar as far as he can stretch it.
2: I agree completely. The dollar is absolutely stretched. This is the prime case of he had access to a set, and he was able to work that and and create a world
1: Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm, that works well for the film.
1: Yep, yep. And the the, – oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, this film kind of maybe predicts Google Glass. You know, there's some moments where if <laughs> everybody's walking around, they can always see something out of one eye. So I'm always thinking about Google Glass nowadays when I see that. Because <laughs> you, uh, you definitely see it. There are some uh, little blips in the film. Uh, you do uh, This time around I saw it because I had seen that It was in the goofs and, on IMDb. But this time I did see when uh, Matthias Hughes and, uh, and Bolo are fighting. You can see where Matthias kicks Bolo and he goes flying. And he does land on a mat that you can yeah. see cl- clearly in frame. But still, it is Bolo flying through the air. I mean, it's, it's still a real stunt. I mean, I know he landed on a mat, but it's still a, a small mat on a concrete floor. And, you know, I oh, yeah. always think fight scenes in underground, like, power plants and stuff, because this isn't the only film to ever do something like that. Um, <laughs> but the I always think those must be tricky, man, because, you know, walking around those things, I've been in type in those kind of areas before, man. If you're not careful, you can knock yourself out. Just hitting your head on these fucking steel pipes and and all these beams and everything everywhere. I always think it's pretty brave of these guys do fight scenes <laughs> and these huge... Yeah, no, he's six foot five. It's not. It's, the, those places are not designed for Hughes. You know, <clears throat> pretty crazy. And then there's always that like uh, steel grating they walk on and stuff. And I don't know. Oh, it just yeah. seems like it's pretty risky to do fight scenes and stuff. Of course, it, it adds an element of production value uh, to the film. And I think that that's the smartest thing this film does is because it wants to be an Epic story, but it's shot on a small budget. So by getting this location and this interesting looking, I don't know if it's an apartment complex or maybe still, again, a a it, all this thing might be the same location. It might just be different spots of it. I don't know, but I think the apartment complex looks nice, very futuristic in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the inside of the apartment does look a little, uh, very blade runner and very, uh, very interesting uh it is interesting how they decided to kind of take a, like a hard-boiled cop vibe a little bit in the beginning and a little bit at the end with the narration and stuff so mm-hmm. i don't know if it was necessary but i guess they felt it was at the time there's a really bad locker room scene where they try to get everybody pumped up it's like one of the worst i've ever oh, yeah. seen in, in cinema history i mean really it's terrible i mean this shit ain't got nothing on hoosiers i mean this fucking bad bro <laughs> The the uh, the uh mustache beret uh, bad guy comes in, he's like, Yeah, they they, they killed so and so. Yeah, we gotta get him And they're like, yeah, 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 we gotta get him. It's really it's really bad. I mean, it's the worst locker room banter ever. <laughs> and at that point they needed somebody to come in half naked and snap a towel on somebody's ass or something to kinda of liven it up a little bit. They did. <laughs> Maybe Matthias Hughes, weird. that would have been awesome <laughs> <laughs> if he'd have came in snapping a towel with only a towel on. <laughs> The Nicky Picasso character is interesting. He feels more like the heavy in the film, as opposed to who they kind of give the heavy role to. Um, but in saying that, and, and you know, God bless Marie, But uh, he he kind of comes off a little bit more as a, a buffoon in this film than a heavy, more henchman, more henchman than yeah. heavy. Yeah, I, I like. In yeah, I like spots and things he did in the film, but he just kind of felt like he was. Very secondary to what they wanted. And I think maybe if there's a real weakness to this film is they don't have enough. They should have used Hughes a lot more as the heavy. Hughes gets left on the sidelines far too much. Yeah, because he's got that great scene in the beginning. And then he kind of pops up sporadically through the middle as the big henchman to the uh, the general character. And then he has a great mm-hmm. scene at the end with Bolo. and um, But he, he kind of gets left on the sidelines a lot, man. I felt like he was maybe the heavy they really needed for the film. Uh, yeah, definitely. Maybe send him out there and stuff. Uh, we should say it's not a spoiler, I don't think, anyway, that if you watch this film, you'll think that uh, Billy Blanks is the TC2000, but we should definitely say that. Um,
2: well, yeah, that tagline that I mentioned is
1: completely false. I know. <laughs> it totally is. Because uh, Bobby Phillips ends up being the TC2000X, and every time she comes into a room or leaves a room, she does cartwheels and flips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, she's got a look. I've seen her in a few things, but I knew that she was a uh, yeah. I knew she was in a uh, she was a Billy Blanks uh, student. I knew that, and uh, I think she made a series of films called the Chameleon Films, I believe. But she was in Showgirls. I don't know if she was uh knew that, but she's definitely got a a um, a dancer's body, uh, very much a very limber, a nice look and nice move. And like we said, she does acquit herself quite well. In the action scenes and stuff, so you can tell Blanks. And I know Blanks has uh, trained quite a few people. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and worked with a few people. I can't remember who all he's trained. I don't think Wesley. I know Wesley Snipes is friends with him. I don't think he trained with him, though. But uh, Snipes does have a very Billy Blanks type feel when he does his uh, martial arts. So maybe, maybe he did train with him a little bit. I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, the end uh, credit sequence is also awesome in this because they. Oh, s- that's amazing! I don't know how I didn't take a note of that. Yeah, because they really they, they sell the heavies. Yeah, they sell the heavies in it, right. I'm gonna. I took a screenshot of each of them. I'm gonna post it on yeah. the group right now. I love the uh, the Matthias Hughes one with the gigantic sword <laughs> that he that's never funny. uses in the movie. <laughs> but it, this is a fun movie. I don't. Uh, you know. I mean, of course, it's not. You know, it's not. You know, a Criterion, although it should be. Yeah. But it's it it it's a it's a good silly, I think short kind of post apocalyptic movie. I, I admit there are some moments where it kind of drags. Uh, there's some dialogue scenes that probably could be cut down. There's some stuff, but it's a very simple tale, and uh, I kind of like the through line of the the Zoe character mixed with the the kind of comeuppance of the Jason Storm character, and I like the relationship between him and Bolo. I think it's fun, although bolo really doesn't want to hear it when uh, Billy blanks is complaining enough that's all he says and gets up and walks away and then five seconds later they're like I love you sumai yeah it's amazing <laughs> he really gets upset bolo really had
2: like, a more training no longer training montage between them.
1: Yeah, because the, it, the stuff between him and Bolo is really nice. They have a really nice chemistry. I wish there would have been more, like maybe a couple buddy cop films with him and Bolo would have been fun.
2: Oh, uh, it would have been great, like a fish out of water. Because I wish, but I at least wish the training sequence had have been as long as Kickboxer, where it goes on for some time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not long enough.
1: Yeah, and I, is that Bolo's real voice? I don't know if I've ever heard Bolo's yes, real voice. It I is Bolo's, it. okay? Yeah. Because I don't know if I've uh, ever seen interviews with him or not. His English, uh, I don't know how great it is, but uh, yeah, Bolo. He's still working, evidently, as soon as we can get a hold of that film. i got to reach out to Kazakhstan, man.
2: Can I tell you, though, that I never would have thought I would have said this, but I took a screenshot to prove it, and I posted it in the group, how much James Franco looks like Bolo Young. (laughs) Nice. You wouldn't think it, but if you find that screenshot, man, you'll see what I mean.
1: Yes. Sweet. Bolo's still rocking it, man. He doesn't... He doesn't do the the great thing where he takes the jacket off and throws it on the ground, but he does take the jacket off at one point in
2: here. Did I was waiting for that during that like, pit fighting scene in like that flea market or whatever. <laughs> I actually just tagged I tagged you in the picture where I t- said that
1: James Franklin and Bolo Young were separated at birth. You can oh. see it on Facebook. I'm looking at it right now. Here we go. And, ooh, yes, you are correct. Spring, <laughs> spring break.
2: Imagine Bolo with the fucking braids. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: Amazing. I'd be down for that. Imagine oh, yeah. imagine Bolo and Spring Breakers anyway. Oh, that that'd be, be amazing. Wicked. Yeah, it would be amazing. He should play the Hint one of the heavies in it. Yeah. All right. So let's give our ratings and make a breaks. What you got?
2: Um Make or Break is um I like the, the the opening scene with uh Hughes and and uh Billy Blanks. It's a good one. I wish I had more of that. Um MVT will be the, the the heavies in the film. Blank's Hughes and um, and Bolo. no 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 always credit to Bobby Phillips or Mary. I think they're fine, certainly, but this was really about those three. And they do a good job uh, of you know delivering uh score for the film, I'm gonna say a six point seven five.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, you know,
2: I think it's a fun one. Definitely anyone in our group who loves the kind of films we love. Would enjoy this. I can't see anyone
1: hating it. Yeah, that's a good score. That's a good score. That's about. I was wondering where you'd fall on it, and that's a good one. Yeah. Um, who'd you say your MVT was again?
2: Uh, the three heavy, the three beefcake <laughs> leads of United Colors of Beefcake with uh, Bolo Hughes yeah. and and uh, Billy Blanks.
1: I can't argue that. I can't argue that. Uh, I wanted to pick one, but I think I'm going to go with the same thing you did because that is the triumphant, the uh, the three the three man power, the three finger. I don't know, the three-finger, uh, <laughs> the shocker of this film. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, that's the the main selling point of this film is the heavies, the young, uh, the uh, the Hughes and the Blanks. So really good. My uh, make-or-break scene, uh, there's so many. Um, I really like the Blanks-Hughes fight. But you know what? As much as I like that one, I think I like the Bolo-Hughes fight more. Yeah. Because it's really cool to see those two together. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bolo-Hughes fight. I really like that one quite a bit. There's a lot of great scenes in the film, though. I think there's a lot of fun to be had in the training montage, although I think it should be longer. I agree with you on that. Uh, (laughs) I saw Clay uh, said Bolo always reminded me of a Chinese Vince McMahon. (laughs) 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 He does have that kind of Vince McMahon build a little bit. you know, Uh, Or Vince McMahon has that Bolo build, so uh my score for the film is a 6.5 out of 10 i'm just nice. right below you but uh i could go 6.75 because i agree totally it's 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 a simple entertaining genre picture um exactly the kind of stuff that shapiro Glickenhouse made oh yeah and uh yeah i recommend it i mean i don't think it's definitely i definitely don't think it's a 4.1 and uh i certainly think it's better than a lot of uh straight to video stuff i've seen and i've seen quite a oh, bit so yeah so, yeah, definitely recommend. So we're going to take a short break, come back, and uh, we're a little cramped for time, but we're going to try to get underground in here, and uh, we'll be back right after this.
2: Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Do you like podcasts where a guy talks about movies? It's not that very encouraging, but okay. You should tune into Justin Oberholter's Film Wave, where each week I review a couple of movies and whatever else comes to mind. Now, does that sound good? Really? What if I got you a celebrity
3: endorsement?
0: Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone. Listen to Justin O'Baltz's film rave. This guy's the cinemaskist. He watches all the films that star, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ah,
3: much better. So tune in to Justin O'Baltz's film rave. Go to freaking or
2: FilmRave.Vidget.com or subscribe on iTunes.
1: All right, we are back. Um, Rest in peace, Film Rave. Yeah, yeah. I had to get that one last one in because I hadn't played it in a while. So. Exactly. So I had to get that in. Uh, kind of a melancholy type moment, but uh, good job on what you what you put together there, Justin. So. Yeah, man. Um, did he say why he was moving on from it? Just. uh I just think busy, time gets in the way. And, yeah, he went back to school as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I can understand what that's like. Personally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can understand what you're going through there. But good luck to him, you know, in all his future endeavors. Justin's a film lover uh, like no other, a uh, young man who uh, loves movies. Definitely no doubt sure about does. that. All right, so our next film is Underground, selected by Martin. Um, we should say, like, I think I said in the beginning, but I, we didn't say at the beginning of our review for TC2000. It was selected by Ryan, who is a good friend of the show. Yes. Um, Underground is selected by Martin. Won't give his last name away, but he's been... Part of our group for a long time, and friends with us for a long time, I believe. Long time, yeah, part of the European contingent. <laughs> My voice is getting a little froggy. All of a sudden, I don't know what's going on there. <clears throat> there we go. Maybe that'll help a little bit. No, it won't. Anyway, uh, so 1995's Underground. Uh, this story follows an underground manu- weapons manufacturer in Belgrade during World War II, and uh, evolves into fairly surreal situations. That's all I'll say uh i had never seen this and uh i gotta be honest with you probably even being a huge film buff in 95 i don't remember this film kind of coming no. across my radar
2: no no idea i'd never heard of it
1: and yeah me and you both kind of talked about this when i mentioned it to you what martin had chosen and uh and we were both kind of like huh you know because we neither one of us had heard of this thing uh, but it was a bit of a splash at Cannes at Cannes. there we go in The palm Dor, yeah yeah The palm door and uh it's a you know there's a director's cut of this film that's three hundred and twenty minutes long?
2: <laughs> yeah, the producers wanted them to cut it down to see the version we watched was just just shy of three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, and I could be wrong, one of two things here. There was either a made for TV version that was the director's cut, or there was a separate version made for TV that was five hours long.
1: Yeah. I would say that, you know, it's almost like a miniseries type length at three twenty, so maybe it doesn't there's...
2: feel episodic other than to say there's the chapters of like the three <coughs> You know, the, the the war and this and that that happened. But yeah. other than that, it doesn't feel too episodic or cliffhangery. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, but I could see where it could be broken up into that. But, yeah. but anyway, yeah. this is like one of those film education type films for us because neither one of us had heard of it nor seen it. So this is kind of interesting. So I'm curious. I, I am really, really curious as to what you thought of this. Because uh, as I was watching it, as I always am, when I know we're going to be talking about a film together, I'm always kind of in the back of my mind. I'm always kind of wondering what my compadre is actually thinking while I'm watching it, you know? So. Oh, yeah. Or during certain scenes, it's like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you think of Underground from '95? Well, let me get this out of the way.
2: One of my favorite things about the Christmas season is the arrival in grocery stores of those wooden crates of tangerines.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: I'm eating some now. I'm going to stop until you say your notes. Um,. Films like this, people always say, oh, you know, you guys, you turned us on to XYZ film. And uh, and that's great. But it's reciprocal. And we're always quick to say that. And I will take a moment to point this out. Um, as much as we turn you guys on to stuff, we get turned on to stuff. And this is a prime example.
1: Yeah, this really is. I never would have pursued this. <sighs> never. And now, what's
2: weird is I'd actually seen... And this filmmaker, Emira uh, Costa Rica, uh, he's a very celebrated European filmmaker. And I feel silly now for not knowing him, but hey, I mean, you can't know it all, I guess. Um, I had seen one of his other films, and I'd actually seen it either last year or the year before. It was expiring on Netflix Instant. And um, I figured, oh, fuck, Serbian film on uh, Instant? we going to give it a run before it um, expires. And uh, it was Do You Remember Dolly Bell? Which which is funny because I'm going to say this, and it seems like I've been saying this a lot lately. But I guess I guess oh I guess the dust is coming out, baby. <laughs> oh, daddy, daddy. Um, <laughs> I guess this director, who I'm about to say, his influence can't be overstated because I mean he's maybe you know my, one of my favorites, if not my favorite all time. That's Federico Fellini. There is very much, at least in the first half of this film, a very Fellini esque feel to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But Dolly Bell is even more so because it looks at some kids and their youth and. Um, You know, a guy and his dad and stuff like that. So, um, you know, but I hadn't realized it until I did a little bit of research into uh, Emir Costa Rica's um, filmography. Now, yeah, I mean, kudos to Martin for picking this. And I think the show, the way we program this show, I think really does nicely encapsulate what we wanted to do as a show. We took very much a celebrated European Palm D'Or winning film and paired it up with a direct-to-video, <laughs> a Canadian shot, um, post-apocalyptic action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People always said, oh, you know, you got to have themes, you got to have a theme. We don't need a theme, man. Yeah. Our, like, it's a breath of fresh air to be able to talk about two completely different films like this um, on the same show, frankly. And I know you feel
1: the same way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel because I think true film lovers feel that way all the time. I mean, I think we... You know, I mean, like me and you always talk about, we, we, we are probably horror fans, you know, maybe not first and foremost anymore, but that's definitely our was our mm-hmm. gateway into love and film. But uh, once we started talking to each other, we realized that we loved all genres uh, equally. We just love the the process of film. And this is show is a great example of that, where, you know, you take the, the mix and the match, which is, you know, these straight to video action films with world cinema i mean it, it's you know you're talking about a celebrated film and a film that's celebrated by a certain amount of individuals and put them together and this is what i this is the kind of the great thing about the podcast is, this, is it is a celebration of film and this is where these two films and this kind of programming shows that yeah yeah we were never a big fan of the idea of doing double features and nope. things like that we've kind of talked about it occasionally we've kind of talked about doubling things up and stuff, but we kind of like the happy accidents uh, like this week with the mess shirts and the underground themes. Yeah. Uh, But also not only that, but I mean, we're mixing a a festival award-winning film, maybe one of the most prestigious or maybe the most prestigious festival with a, again, a straight to video action film that, (laughs) you know, may have played the American film market, but that's about all. That's right. That's right. Um,
2: yeah, this film, you know, it's long, three hours. director's cut was almost five, which I would want to go back and visit because I think this film, this is the kind of film that I'm certainly not going to pretend to get all the allusions and all the references. It, I think, is very much a commentary on, on Yugoslavian culture and, and wartime life in Yugoslavia and the fractitious um, uh, nature or, or history that... Um, uh, that country, unfortunately, has had to, or the, the people in that area have had to live through um, for the better part of 60 years or so. Is fractitious even a word? Sounds like a word. I'm going to say it is. Um, but, you know, it's something that...
1: uh yeah. <laughs> you looking up to see if fractitious is a word?
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, it doesn't say, I don't know, maybe it's not, who knows, fuck, whatever. You knew what I meant when I said it in the context of saying it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's things that we won't get in the film. But the great thing is there's enough going on with, with um, uh, Costa Rica's filmmaking um, that are very human elements and that are universal themes and universal uh, motifs. hmm
0: mm-hmm.
2: And the film opens real strong. I mean... Um, it's got you know all these shadows and this band playing and these guys on horseback making it rain with dollar bills, yeah. <laughs> um, which we later find out um, is one of the two leads in the film. Um, not Blackie, but uh, Marco. Marco, I gotta say, man, the two leads in this are amazing.
1: Yeah, they're they're incredible performances from both. So uh, charismatic. They they really, we talked about uh, running the gamut of things to do in a film when, we talk, when I was talking about the drug war, the lead in drug war. Uh, they really give them so much to chew on. The director really does here because we see just about every type. Well, I think the Blackie performance is a little bit more one type of performance, but definitely the Marco performance is a little bit. Actually, you know what? No, no. I think they're both that way. Mm-hmm. They're both multiple different type of performances uh, from these actors, and you really get to see them stretch their range. Uh, and they're great. They're so good in the film.
2: Yeah, they're amazing, man. They're so good. They're, really, I think they're both that, that,
1: Serbian. Yeah, that one actor he works with quite a bit, uh, the one that played Marco, I believe. Yeah. I can't say his name off the top of my head. I think it's pre Predrag. Manilovich. Manil- yeah, okay. Manil Manilovich.
2: Well what is also amazing, another through line is in the last film we had laser beams and in this one of the two lead actors, his real name is Lazar. Yeah. Lazar was Rizdof, yeah.
1: He's great. I mean he is like a fucking force of nature in this movie. He's amazing. He's like a, a more a
2: slightly more lumberjacky
1: version of like a, a Serbian uh, Franco Nero. Yeah, he was in Casino Royale, which I gotta go back and look at now because I don't yeah. I don't remember him in Casino Royale. Mm-mm. So I need not go know if I can look at that. Since we're talking about the cast,
2: mm-hmm. you know his son Jovan, or as we would say in American, with America, Jovan, like Jovan Musk. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, Jovan, do you know the actor that played Jovan? Did he look familiar to you? He looked familiar, but I don't remember what I was. You, you're gonna, your mind's gonna be blown. I was hoping you wouldn't have. Realized oh
1: no, who it no, was. no! I well, I do now because I just clicked. <laughs> Holy fuck! I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: his son Jovan is played by Serjan uh, Todorovic, who was the male
1: lead in a Serbian film. Which very infamously now is, uh, yeah. he's probably more well-known now. But I know that he was a well-known actor before then. I just had mm-hmm. never seen anything he'd been in. But now, now I have.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Looks like a lot of these guys are Serbian, actual Serbian actors. And I have actually some Serbian friends. Uh, interesting, interesting uh, culture. But proud people, certainly. Great fucking food. Yeah, yeah. Great food, um, but yeah, what a trip! I was I was waiting as soon as I saw um, Amazing. That, yeah, real amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, the film has a lot of a lot of a lot of great stuff going on visually. Everything from the architecture to the destroyed architecture we see later on. I mean, it's it's really really visually astounding. Yes, it is. I feel like this film shares a a kinship to something like seven beauties.
1: Yeah. Something like seven beauties. And I definitely got a Terry Gilliam feel
2: very much a ter- or, or even, uh, um, Jean-Pierre Jeunet.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Oh That, that was another one of my notes. I, one yeah. of my notes is, uh, the Gilliam mixed with, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Mm-hmm. And, and then and I, I didn't, I neglected the seven beauties thing, but you're right. That, that definitely a seven beauties vibe in there as well. Very much
2: like this odyssey kind of, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely, definitely feels like that. And I'll tell you, man, we get some great mom ass early on in this film. Oh, yeah. Very early. And (laughs) it's amazing because you would think that someone getting a flower stuck in their ass would be a rare thing. But we've had it on our show two or three times.
1: Yeah, another note that I have. (laughs) There's something about our show and flowers and asses.
2: Yeah, what's great is we get to see some of Marco's proclivities on screen like he very much has it and I, and this might be um uh, Emir Kusturica's uh obsessions or fixations coming through on the screen but he seems to love women's shoes women's high heels yes <laughs> even more than the feet cuz he doesn't focus on the feet so much as he does the high heels but we get to see a flower in a woman's ass and it's actually a really funny kind of um
1: it's kind of sweet actually
2: but it's kind of sweet but it's also kind of um there's something very visually poetic about it, where the way um, Marco kind of glides toward her and smells the flower when it's in her ass.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And like it, it sounds crass, but he's done it in this way of like this kind of celebration of of the female form. I think more than a piggish thing, even though there is certainly something inherently piggish about sticking a flower in someone's ass and smelling it.
1: Well, yeah, there. I mean, there it is there, but it's it's one of those things where. Yeah, I, at first I thought, okay, this character's going to be very piggish. <laughs> yeah. But then I kind of realized that this character's actually being, he's kind of being loving in a weird yeah. way.
2: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And I um,
1: wonder what else I've seen pre-drag man- 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 Manilovic in. I yeah, see, I you, his his face you, man, is
2: very familiar. His two leads are fucking outstanding. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, there's just so much striking imagery. Even early on, I think the we see a zoo get bombed out. And we see all these birds and these caged animals and how restless they are, and then everything gets destroyed. And
1: oh yeah, there's that. uh, If you're an animal lover, uh, be warned. There's. I I wonder though if there's real animal cruelty though,
2: other than maybe that riskiness of putting a swan and a fucking tiger beside each other.
1: Well, I mean that's not real animal cruelty, but it's definitely. I mean, I'm just warning people that uh, you know, if you put a swan and a tiger together, I think you know what's going to happen.
2: Well, yeah, because the swan pecks at the tiger a few times.
1: Yeah, because if you've ever been around swans, they are an aggressive bird. Yeah, they're they, big uh, birds, man. yeah, they're big birds, and if you get too close to them, especially if they have their young with them, they will come at you, and uh, they'll pinch the fuck out of you. And yeah. uh, I've been hit by them a couple times, and uh, because I, there's a there's a park I go to here, and uh, they every year you know when they have their young and everything else, they're always at this pond and stuff, and I'll go there and. And I'll feed them, and I'll take Landon with me and stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they get a little aggressive, so I have to hold him because I can't have him down there, you know, at eye level with, a, with an aggressive swan. And, uh, yeah, well, this swan gets a little too aggressive, and uh, that's, this, that's what happens. Oh, big time. So I don't think it's true animal cruelty, but I do think it's uh, just to warn everybody that there's some kind of heart-wrenching moments. There's also a heart-wrenching moment involving a chimpanzee in this. but Well, that was the one I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it's it's really interesting how it's done. I mean, it's not like it's not like *Cannibal Holocaust*, where I have no interest in going back and watching that shit again. But it it is a kind of heart wrenching in that way, and, and, and especially in terms of what it represents. Because I think that animal was just covered in like i not
2: covered, but there was put some red paint on it. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Whatever. That that animal wasn't actually harmed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But It's still a tragic scene, and it's it's emotionally.
1: Well, yeah, because see. of the relationship that the, you show between the young the young actor and that chimp as a, as a baby.
2: And not just that, but we look at animals as being very vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. And what they represent is, is the sort of youth or the humanity.
1: Well, yeah, um, and especially chimpanzees because, you know, yeah, a much baby much chimpanzee are. is adorable, but uh, we also have all heard these horror stories of a mature chimpanzee and what they can do to a human being. So, Yeah, absolutely. Which is something to be said for
2: maybe the commentary on you know, in the country and being a country that's been just rife with a lot of um, upheaval and violence and tragedy um, for as long as I can remember, um, that the chimpanzee does represent the, the, the youth of, of the, the country and then as you see the, the aggression. But mind you, it's not really played out in that way with this, because the chim is a pretty great character when it's older, but yeah. maybe there is commentary on I, that.
1: Well, no, I, I totally believe that the idea of bombing a zoo full of innocent animals is definitely a commentary on something.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, it's heightened and stylized mm-hmm. uh, as a, a symbol of, of, you know, the people being bombed because I think we'd all seen people being bombed enough in films that maybe Costa Rica felt that if he shows the zoo, he can convey more of a vulnerability.
1: Yeah. Because they're, That is true. Sometimes people are more vulnerable to animal uh, issues in films. I know I am. Than sometimes human beings. I don't know what that says about me. But it does. I think it's the innocence of animals sometimes. And somehow where, you know, in life sometimes you get betrayed by other humans. So not that you don't get betrayed by animals. You can. I mean, I've been, as much as I love dogs, I've been bitten by dogs several times. Um, So it's not like it's a a guarantee that you're going to get along with a dog. But... It is somehow, I don't know if it's the Disneyfication of our culture or whatever, but somehow animals have this, I think, way of getting to people's soft spots sometimes a bit more than human beings do. That's very true. It's very true. I actually do believe it's very much the Disneyfication of our culture because I believe, you know, the way they use animals and stuff has made us, you know, kind of see animals in a different light than they actually are. The true nature of animals, which, again, with that swan and that tiger, that's the true nature of animals. That's right. That's what would happen. No, oh, exactly.
2: Um, I think the energy in this film is palpable. Like you really feel a, a film bristling with energy and ideas and passion.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's. Gates. It's, it's, it's weird because it, it almost feels over the top, but it also feels in line with the relationship between Marco and Blackie. That the first time you see these guys, they're making a rain, they're having fun, they're shooting guns. They always have music and this big bombast following them around and. And celebrations of life.
2: Yeah, very much full of life.
1: Yeah, you know, food and love and, and sex and, and uh, you know, I mean, even to the point to where we know Blackie is a real son of a bitch, right? Because he's got a wife. He's got a baby on the way. Uh, he's having an affair. Um, but he's, he's just full of life. He's this character that just commands so much out of his life. Uh, that mm-hmm. you still kinda get behind him, you know.
2: You do, he's like a lovable rogue. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's got a great introduction when he's sitting down eating. And <laughs> <Yeah>. uh <laughs> yeah. he again, mesh tank top, fucking amazing mustache. And again, he's wearing a fucking do rag <laughs> from Nana's sock drawer. <laughs> yeah. And he's got white pants on and and this fucking elephant shows up in his window and steals his fucking shoes and
1: so Felini esque.
2: Yeah, it's so <laughs> Felini-esque. And it's like um Um I bet Jodorowsky loves this film too, and uh, and I have to kudos to the animal wrangler on the set of this one.
1: Oh yeah, big time! Wow,
2: but uh, yeah, it just it's amazing. It's that thing of his. like he's not going to let his life be dictated by the atrocity and the war and the horrors around him. He's outright says I'm going to basically live my life the way I want to, um, which I really love. And uh, I think th- there's a lot of stuff like you know early on when there's this scene of everyone's kind of dressed up to the nines and they're working through the rubble and. And all the destruction. I think it's it's sort of this commentary to say that you know we as a people are going to go about our lives and have a dignity still in spite of the horrors of war and the horrors that are surrounding us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I like. I know you said it, uh, it didn't really feel episodic. But I, I think that the the through line obviously is a commentary on how much war has affected this. This culture in general. People, yeah. Because this is actually a culture we can, we can talk about recently, affected by oh. awful, awful, you know, awful. the Yugoslav wars and some of the stuff in the, in the Balkans and all that stuff. Cultural and ethnic uh, stuff. That's yeah, not ethnic cleansing, quote unquote. Terrible. Yeah. And Terrible. some of the awfulness that went on. And we kind of talked about that a little bit when we talked about a Serbian film a little bit and how it might be a commentary on some of the awfulness that these people have seen yep over the years but uh this is actually a better example of this because you see the uh the cold war stuff you see the the world war Two stuff um uh and you see all that and how even the wars changed like the perception of the people and what they like even blackie and marco's relationship changes throughout these different war cultures
2: yeah absolutely
1: and not only that but it's also like the meta moments where they're actually shooting a film mm-hmm. which is pretty great too
2: yeah that's great. And uh, what also is great is that they get the Serbian uh, Ted Ramey to play um, the one brother <laughs> yeah. in the Coke bottles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I always like seeing, and I, we've, we talk about this every time we do a World War II film or a war film, I always love seeing war films from other countries other than a North American or a British perspective.
1: Yes, yes, because I think when you see war films from cultures that are truly affected by war, Maybe more so. I mean, Americans, we don't really have any perspective. We know, don't get me wrong, we know what it's like to go to war and go to other countries and stuff and tell our stories, but we've never had a war on our soil. That's right. There's that, a big fucking difference. Outside of the American Revolution. But even then, we don't have anybody here that really remembers that. We're only going on history books. hmm so, so that makes a big difference, I think, as far as, far as the way violence is portrayed and cruelty is betrayed because we don't understand. I mean, we know how cruel war is, but we don't understand how cruel war is. That's right because it's not in our face.
2: It's not impacting generations of people. I mean, it's impacting generations of people, but it's not on our, on our doorstep. Right, exactly. The way it is. You know, and sadly, we're getting a lot of young men and women coming home that are forever scarred and their families forever altered. But our archetype, everything, everything isn't, th- thankfully, everything in our culture isn't immersed in war and shaped by war. There is a portion of our culture that's shaped by war, but not everything of our culture is shaped
1: by war. Yeah. Well, I think Uh, also the whole film is a kind of a comment on how, you know, a a a certain character ends up underground in this, and how while in the process of being underground, it's almost like a war scenario where you ignore war. mm -hmm. And then when you come, when the war is over and you come back out, you realize that there's nothing left of the world you once loved. You want right. the the country you once loved, the culture you once loved has totally changed.
2: It's changed. It's been destroyed. It's been rebuilt. Because um, all this time has passed, where you know it's been this resistance. Yeah. Right? yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, this is a film I'm definitely going to revisit because I think you and I talked about this off the air. There's a lot going on in this film that is, I'm not going to pretend to have gotten a good portion of it, and I will never get a portion of it because of the cultural commentary, but. There's enough going on cinematically even still that I think it, it rewards several viewings because yeah. it's just again, it, it never feels like
1: tedious. It always feels full of life and energy. Um, but yeah, there's it, a lot a lot going on. It's very dense and very serious, but at the same time it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. It there's a lot of great like comic moments. I love the scene. I mean, I absolutely love the scene when Blackie goes on stage. Oh man. It yeah. is insane. <laughs> And it's so great, and uh, there's so many great moments like that in the film where these little because these two have this relationship of total insanity, Marco and Blackie, and and how they love each other like brothers, and then they they add a third element with a love triangle that complicates things, and it works so well. And
2: well, it it works so well as metaphor too. To think that, and there's even a line towards the end of the film, a really poignant line, where I think it's I think it's Marco, maybe it's the wife. I can't remember her name. Or she, they say, once upon a time there was, oh, no, no, um, no war is a war until
1: brother kills a brother. Yeah. Right? I believe her name is uh, Nat- Natalia. That's right. Natalia. But you see that in this film. I found her attractive, too, by the way. I don't know. Did I don't know, I know if didn't.
2: you didn't. I, I did. I, I, I not know. to say she was, she wasn't unattractive, but she just, she yeah. was average for me.
1: She worked for me. She actually was in a Jennifer Lopez movie, <laughs> Made in Manhattan. <laughs> oh boy yeah that's amazing I didn't know that I guess you right. come over to America and that's what you end up in yikes um but uh but yeah I
2: think there's that this lament of of brothers and, and men that excluding this one thing in their life could have been the best of friends and were you know but there's this underlying thing of being corrupted or a relationship being corrupted by by the lure of something else um I don't know what this note oh I'll tell you Blackie because we talked about him kind of being like a, a Franco Nero type he fucking slaps guys out he headbutts people
1: oh there's so much headbutting going on
2: yeah there's a lot of headbutting <laughs> and there's even like this really great ECW hardcore match like, <laughs>
1: I'll tell you him and
2: he but even Marco man that guy's always fucking breaking bottles over his head yeah which he just kind of becomes a running joke and it's a bit funny he doesn't want his wife to drink so he smashes the bottle over his head
1: yeah yeah, there's a lot of violence uh, in the film that isn't just war violence. I mean, there's a lot of smacking and punching. and the, Blackie has a, some kind of fetish for electricity that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> it's true, man. It's
2: true. Um, I feel like uh, there's this... I always feel like films from either Romania or, or Yugoslavia or that whole region... Um, they always tend to me, and I think I probably say this every time we talk about one on the show. But um, I always feel like um, they always have this underlying current of of sort of observ- observational absurdity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there always seems to be a, 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 the life or lives that people lead. Um, that there just it just distance to be this observation of how absurd things are, whether it's darkly or otherwise.
1: Yeah, I was always hoping you would have saw that. Did you ever end up watching that one uh, uh, film, uh, My Joy? Did you ever end up watching that? Oh, man, I didn't. Yeah, you should definitely check that out. That's uh, It's Russian, right? Uh, yeah. But
2: Eastern yeah. Europe, on the whole, has this um, this feel. Yeah,
1: and, uh, there's, and there's always this sense of, and I don't know if it's the cultural thing from my perspective, and I think it is, uh, is this the sense of something awful is going to happen. And I don't know if it's because... It's gonna of, undercut
2: everything else. Yeah, of, but I don't know if yeah. it's
1: because of some of the hardship that these people have went through, but it always feels that way. It always feels like as, as good as it gets, that it's all going to get undercut. It's all going to get this ripped right from their hands. Yeah. So,
2: I don't know. No, for sure. No, for sure. Um, I have to say that Marco, when there's a moment when he's dressed up as a doctor... And that's a really great scene, but he looks like P-Thug from Chromio. <laughs>
1: yeah, he does. I got a little bit of a Father Guido Sarducci from him, too.
2: Oh, big time, man.
1: He's got that nice uh,
2: pencil-thin mustache. Yeah, and, yeah, That's pretty amazing. Um, and it's something we've never seen in all the slashers we've watched, okay? We've never seen someone killed with a stethoscope, but we see it in this film.
1: Yeah. yeah and that's do. a
2: great gag because um, we see him use the stethoscope to see if he's actually dead.
0: Mhm
2: mhm. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah, it really is. Um, it feels very screwbally and in some ways like I bet you the Cohen brothers love this film.
1: Yeah, it's definitely got their aesthetic to it, right? It's got those close-ups and the faces are great and it it definitely There's so many filmmakers in here. I don't know if the the director uh, Costa Rica. I don't know if he's a huge fan of uh, American cinema, or if this is just his aesthetic, and maybe all these other guys we're mentioning are fans of his. Because yeah. it's not like he hasn't been working for years. He's been he's working, been working for, for years and yeah. years and years. Yeah, I just realized that this film's actually number two forty nine in the top two fifty on IMDb. Two forty nine in the top 250? Well, it's a deserving. Yeah, it's actually. Spot. I don't, I don't know how many of the top two fifty we've actually reviewed. I'm sure we've done a few. I know we did the uh, Good, the Bad, the Ugly. I know it's in there and. A few others, but yeah. We haven't yeah. done a whole lot of them, believe it or not. We'll get to them. Um Some of them, I don't think we'll get to all of them. Some of them. Not all of them. Don't see sure. us don't see us doing Toy Story Three, but you know. No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean I love it, but Yeah, yeah. I just don't see us reviewing it as one thing. <laughs> um,
2: I think one of the one of the things I really liked about the film was this running joke of the inefficiency of the system and of, of communism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because we always get moments where People have to pedal and exert themselves so much to get any sort of electricity or energy or to do anything. Yeah. There's always these elaborate systems yeah. that have been um, enacted or what's the word I'm looking for? Created, I guess, for lack of a better word. And like the scene with the light, the only way they can get electricity is to have someone pedal furiously on a bicycle. And there's a great birthing scene where <laughs> dude's got to pedal on a bicycle so they can get light on the woman while she gives birth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's pretty funny. Like just, I think it's just harkens to sort of the inefficiency of the system um and yeah this spans decades i mean 30 40 years or whatever and i gotta say man there's that one scene with blackie he just looked like bruiser brody
1: yeah yeah a little bit the wild hair and the The wild looking yeah (laughs) um i
2: love the chimp in this man it's you know i gotta give my son william a real shout out here he didn't watch this with me obviously yeah, but I had to watch this at a time when I normally wouldn't watch films. I knew it was going to snow a, a great deal yesterday here, so I came home from work. But I said to my honey, "I got to watch these movies for my show," so I kind of hold myself up in my computer room for a few hours, and uh, I watched. Well, I watched this one. William came in and he kept seeing the chimp, and he goes, "Oh, and He goes, this uh, just kind of explaining, like uh, in sort of very safe terms, what the film was and what people are more and how war is sad. It affects people and." And you know, it can break people's families apart and, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, he saw the chimp, and he goes, Dad, he goes, That's like the chimp on your phone. And what he meant was, I I always had to scream, like, my lock screen on my iPhone is the prostitutes and the chimp in Holy Mountain looking up, like, towards the statue of, ah, the, of yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he saw the chimp, he's like, that, that chimp, it's like in the other film. So you see, the boy's got a good recall, that's for sure. Yeah. So, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, I love, love, love the commentary on film and propaganda uh, uh, and film as propaganda because there's the moment when Blackie – there's this, you know, this long convoluted thing of Blackie being dead and he becomes very much a hero and they erect a statue in his honor and they're making a film about him. And we see his character walking on water in the film. He killed 11 Nazis and, and the German soldier becomes Franz the Vampire and <laughs> –
1: Really, really good stuff, and I think very point, very on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that stuff a lot, too. Film as propaganda stuff is really great. It is great, and I think
2: even the commentary that the people that are living underground represent all of the society then, because they're kind of kept in the dark. There's a lot of misinformation, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively, in terms of being kept in the dark. I think that represents their whole culture, the higher-ups, yeah. the people...
1: In power, yeah. Well, it represents a lot of cultures, actually. Um, yeah, not just theirs, but I mean, I think America is finding out that it represents a lot of our culture. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly. Um, someone gets a fork in their ass cheek. Yeah, there's a lot of ass trauma. There's a lot of ass trauma. <laughs> Another
2: thing I want to say about my son an observation he made, and I think I hope it doesn't
1: involve ass trauma.
2: <laughs> no, thankfully it does not. But uh, it, I think this speaks very much to. The film, there's a scene when um, Natalia, is it Natalia? Yeah. She's dancing very seductively around a tank. Yes, yes. No, it doesn't show her breasts or her her box or anything, but she's dancing seductively. And William looked up at the screen and he said, why is she dancing around naked like that? And I think that, again, you know, not to digress too much from our review, but I was fascinated that it is very much a sexual dance and very suggestive. And for his brain, and not to know what sex even is, but to connect the dots, to see that she was doing something, and he did, couldn't quite process what it was, but he mistook her for being naked because of the way she was moving, even yeah. though she was wearing a dress. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I mean, I, I mean I, it is a very sexual dance, and for him not to know what sexual activity is yet, to kind of pick up on the kind of uh, psychological aspects of that, the phallic symbol of the tank, the sexy dance, I mean, that, that is pretty impressive.
2: To say she's naked, I said, no, William, she's not going to get And this is what I'm trying to usher him out of the room, because I, I didn't know if she was going to take her top off. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember somebody trying to get him out of the room, and he's on my exercise ball behind me, <laughs> bouncing on it. And I'm in this office chair trying to wheel backwards. and you know. But he, anyway, he got out of there after
1: that. But yeah, very, very interesting. Um, yeah, we should say that the film, uh, it is unrated, I believe, or, or not rated. But it's not uh, – there is sexual stuff in it, but it's not – Overtly, there's not a lot of nudity, or, no, or no. there's some, but and then there's not a lot of perversity either. I mean, it's not no. really a very sexual movie. No, not at all. I and think I kept thinking a, it was going to go that way, but it never yeah. went that way.
2: Well, because of films like Sweet Movie, where I think they eat shit, and there's a lot of fucking, and oh, yeah. and well, Serbian film. You know, a lot of the films, um, you know, whether it's Czech or um, films from you know from the region, that they can be at times. Uh, I love the line that Natalia says because her and Marco have very much a love-hate relationship, and and uh, he's getting mad at her for drinking, and, and, he, and she says, "I drink brandy, and you've been drinking my blood for twenty years." Yeah, it's a great line. A great line, and uh, yeah, I mean, another guy I couldn't help but think of is Charlie Kaufman, just to really this meta kind of stuff that's all going on, and mm-hmm. um, I wrote this down as a quote, and I don't know why now. A horse, a horse. Oh funny bits with the son Jovan when he finally gets above him because he's lived his whole life underground and he sees like a a deer and he's like a horse a horse yeah and his dad's like no Jovan that's a deer and he goes well you you, that's how you drew horses (laughs) and all this stuff and it's really kind of great kind of sweet comedic bits um there is you do feel the length of this a little bit admittedly but I was feeling a little bit sick and under the weather when I watched it so but I mean it is almost three hours long so yeah
1: yeah you know. Yeah, I mean, I told you I watched this over several days because three-hour films, I hardly have time to sit down and watch them all in one setting, but uh, it do feel it does feel a little bit overlong, but I think maybe watching it in, in bits and pieces or like episodes like we were talking about, like a director's cut, which I would like to see, and I would like to watch this again because I agree with you. I don't feel like I got everything I was supposed to get. I feel like I get the basics out of it. Yes, Yes. and what it's going for but i don't feel like i get maybe everything that like martin would get out of it or i know another huge fan of this is tim ghetto tim's a huge yeah, fan of which this makes one. sense i can see it being in this yeah so i i bet they get more out of it than we get out of it but they may have seen it multiple times this is our first viewing so yeah really i think what you're getting from us is this kind of kind of euphoria of a new type of film or a new film for us that we had not seen and kind of like you know we're kind of you know getting off on it a little bit here because this is kind of the fun of doing the show
2: sure and very surface stuff but i think um i think that oh we should say this is on youtube with english subs
1: yeah 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 well the two hour 43 minute cut is yeah yeah
2: exactly which is what we saw um
1: yeah for everybody because i don't think it's readily available available i mean there's other means to get it but it is on youtube absolutely there's a a few two final shots i just want to talk about I love. We should also say TC2000 is on YouTube. <laughs> yes, exactly. YouTube, the uh, great, the, the great democratization tool of cinema lovers everywhere. Sure is, man. A pretty
2: um, haunting shot of some flames consuming something as it goes round and round and round. Ah, uh, yes, you know, yes. Pretty, pretty haunting stuff for sure. And uh, I love the end of this film. Like it's almost like this, this dream-like. Or I don't want. I don't want to say what it's mm-hmm. alluding to. Mm-hmm. But this sort of dreamlike sequence, I think, is really beautiful, and I think a perfect way to end the film because I think it's a reminder, and I think it's, um, you know, probably more than anything, it's um, what's his name, uh, Emir Kusturica's lament at what once was.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And the, the line, final line, is "Once upon a time there was a country."
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think the film's actually also known as that. Once upon yeah, a time which, there was a
2: country. Great.
1: What an astonishing
2: thing when the, the, that little island breaks off.
1: It's, it's no, again, it's that, it's that Gilliam factor that I think right. it's like one of those great visual moments. Or what's his name, too? Um,
2: French filmmaker. No, Gondry, the, the Gna- Gondry, or oh, Genet? Gondry.
1: Oh, Genet and Gondry, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where you never thought you were going to see it. You know? No. I never thought I'd see something like that in cinema. I mean, I've, I love Terry Gilliam visually. I think he's one of the, the great visual artists of his time, but mm-hmm. even he's never done anything like that no, it's that I can amazing. think of. Anyway, oh, is that all your notes? yeah yeah well i don't have a whole lot more to add i mean you pretty much hit it all on the head uh like i said this film is very striking in its imagery uh the zoo stuff is great uh man and the performances are just astounding they 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 feel so lived in and real and i maybe that's because i'm not real familiar with the actors Mm -hmm. i know both of those actors are are prominent actors in their countries uh in their country but uh of course i wouldn't know that because i don't see there's just not a lot of czech film or eastern european film there's just not a lot of that kind of stuff here uh, no thankfully for you know video and like youtube and and even other means of getting films people are becoming more cognizant and aware of world cinema and i think that's a good thing Oh, big uh, time. for our for our culture universal i mean that's the one thing i think people forget sometimes is that it's good for our culture overall as a world, not so much as a country to see films from other countries like this, to kind of see how people see the world. And I think that's what film offers us. It gives us these glimpses into the way other countries and other cultures see the world. And I think that's uh, one of the special things.
2: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. I I referenced that uh, in the great review we did did over at the Debatable podcast with Greg, I uh, wish you could have been there, but I, I echo the same sentiment as you, which is why we we do what we do together, because we have the exact same outlook um, and love for yeah. the medium.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a great medium. It's a great medium because, and this is one of the great things about film, is that it's going to open people's eyes more than, you know, than um, it's a lot easier for me to say, hey, check out this film from Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, uh, Russia, japan than it is for me to say you should read this novel from japanese writer so and so then or from czechoslovakian writer blah 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 people are intimidated by that kind of stuff and and, in all honesty i've read novels from other countries sometimes it doesn't quite compute in my head like film does
2: no it's true it's very true
1: and i don't know if that's the way the written word is or whatever i don't know or maybe it's the translation i don't know what it is sometimes it works sometimes it don't but film is a universal language Mm-hmm. and that's what people need to always remember. And I think this film, even though there's a lot in here I can't relate to, I could feel some of the emotional and visceral aspects of the film. Universal kind of, theme. Yeah, kind of playing over me. The The love triangle, the, the father-son stuff, the animal stuff, uh, because th- there's a father-son dynamic with the chimp as well. And there's this, all these these themes kind of come through, and what you come to realize is that life is very fragile and very very easily manipulated and changed overnight uh, and we've, we've talked about this off the air and on the air before in the past how tragedy or even the great things that happen in your life how it can alter your life for the good or for the worse and, forever yeah and, but either way it, it does put some kind of a mark on you for the rest of your life so uh, this is a great example this film is a great example of that and really it's, it's, it's a modern masterpiece and I would say shame on me for not ever seeing it or ever really know anything about it. But it's one of those things where it comes from a country that really just their films are not that prominent here. And that's a that's a that is not shame. That's just sad. It really should be. I really would like to see more films from uh, Costa Rica and from this region, to be honest. Oh, with you. big time, man. So that's kind of all my thoughts, though, because the story stuff you all kind of nailed on the head. And I totally agree with you on all of it. So what do you yeah. got for MVTs and whatnot?
2: man uh, make or break the opening scene man when they're on like I never thought I'd see this like these men horseback making it rain with dollar bills while the band (laughs) plays behind them and they're shooting at them
1: you know what it's funny you Uh, mentioned that that's my make or break as well I just want to say now because I think that scene establishes the relationship we're going to see throughout the whole three hour film Mm -hmm. and I think it's pivotal And it's very odd that it's a make-or-break film like that early in the – make-or-break moment and that early in the film. But I totally agree with you because that says everything about these two gentlemen from the get-go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, MVT. I really wanted to go with Marco and Blackie because I think they're amazing. But I got to give it to Costa Rica because it's his film. It's his vision, uh, living, breathing, come to life. And to pull off a film for three hours is no small feat. Um, and to f- have it feel dense, but also very effortless and and fun. Um, yeah, just yeah. heavy subject matter—that's that, tough to do. So I'm going to give it to him. My score for the film—I'm um, going to say an eight point. I'm saying eight point
1: five. Nice,
2: nice. It's, it's really, really good, man. I, I definitely want to rewatch it. I'd love to get a special edition. I wish Criterion focused more on—and uh, you know—not to—not to. Not to this and Moan. I feel like um Korea is overlooked. Uh, obviously contemporary Japan is overlooked. Um and I think this region of the world, Eastern European film, is overlooked. And this yeah. would be a fine addition. And they got some some of the Czech New Wave stuff, but I think this would be a fine addition to their catalogue.
1: Yeah, they got a little bit of Russian stuff as well, but they don't yeah. I feel like there's so much more out there. Maybe um maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's so much more. And it's kind of amazing that uh, this director actually isn't in the Criterion Collection in some of his films, isn't it? He's something else,
2: man. And Dolly Bell, I didn't like as much as this at all. It was good, but but this is really on another level.
1: I know he's directing something else uh, now, but I know his last narrative film was a uh, film called Promise Me This, which, again, I believe has uh, Pre-Jack in it or whatever. He nice. plays, plays a character named Bajo.
2: I wish we had seen Frankie.
1: And, um, <laughs> another, another direct uh, actor from the reach. I can't remember his name uh, no but he's amazing he was actually it, one of the most bizarre things that ever happened to me as a cinema lover when I watched that fucking uh, Roland Emmerich film 2012 he's yep. in that film oh, that's uh, prominently and it's like this is so bizarre <laughs> this actor of all the actors in the Roland Emmerich film <laughs> <laughs> so very interesting that film is not good sorry Twenty twelve is not my sure. not my bag. Um, so we we we're a year past that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, like I said, my make break same as yours. My MVT. I feel the same way you do. I feel like you know I I could really, especially the Blackie performance. But yeah, uh, because
2: I think we naturally get behind Blackie a little more. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because well, I think his performance is the most emotional. Yeah. And like I said, he he really loves life. He loves to eat. Obviously. He loves to make love. He loves to. Celebrate! He loves music. He loves guns. He loves everything, you know. So I really wanted to make him my MVT, but because I haven't seen anything else really by uh, Costa Rica, I kind of got to go with him because I don't know uh-huh. when I'll see more stuff by him. Uh, hopefully I will see more stuff by him. Um, but I'm going to give it to him because this – I don't know if this is his masterpiece. Um Because I haven't seen any of his other films, like I said, but uh, I would definitely bet that uh, for those who have seen a lot of his work, this probably ranks high in the 20 credits he has as a director. Oh, it has to, yeah. So I'd be curious if anybody has any more info for us that way. Uh, My score's a little higher than yours. Mine's a 9 out of 10, man. I think this film is uh, pretty amazing. And uh, it's one of those moments where you watch a movie and you feel like you're seeing something new the whole time.
2: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to cave. I'm going to say 875. because
1: I was waffling between 8.75 and 8.5. I'm to say 8.75. Nice, nice. It's just—it's re- definitely a unique unique film. And, and I know Tim was really excited when he found out we were finally covering it. So I hope, I hope everybody's satisfied with the coverage. Yeah, I felt
2: like you and know, I talked a little bit daunting. A film with this much going on. It's like, fuck, there oh, you go.
1: And, well, not only that, but I mean, also we're talking about a culture, even though we are familiar with, we're not overly familiar with. So. right. I, you know, I think whenever we review something like that, like me, when it comes to certain Asian films, I feel like I'm kind of lost because I don't know the culture that well. So I feel like maybe I'm putting my foot in my mouth sometimes. But at the same time, I think that's what people want from a reviewer like me is me kind of discovering things. Or we can work through things on air sort of together yeah. as we're mm-hmm. talking about them. All right. Uh, that is the show. That's everything. Uh, what, are we, what are we doing next week? I we got a
2: real corker lined up for next week for our Christmas episode.
1: Oh yeah, we're doing that next week, right? Oh, yeah. oh, are we doing that next week or the week after? Oh yeah, no.
2: no. That's next week is the fun week is our um You our, are right. Diabolic show. You are
1: right. Yes you are. I'm yeah, looking at the so calendar right now. Good to be joined
2: at the GGTMC studios by two of our dear friends um Carl Bresden. Yes. The head man, the sensei over at uh the B list Dojo.
1: Yeah, whenever I think of director video action, that's the first name that pops in my head is Carl President.
2: And the name that pops up alongside that when we think of director video action is another gentleman that we're going to be joined with. He's making his sophomore appearance on the GDTMC. Yes. His first review and programming went very well with Kickboxer. Mm-hmm. Of course, is Matt Suzaka. Yes. So those two are going to join us. We're going to be covering um <laughs> Blood Hands. Oh, amazing. The return of Sean Donahue of Pearl (laughs) Violators fame. Yeah. And we're going to be getting into the Funimation disc uh, Shaw Brothers 1985 Hong Kong Godfathers. Yes. So it is going to be one hell of a show for Christmas. It's going to be a bonanza. Hong Kong Godfather, I said it's Hong Kong Godfather. Yeah. So Beardy, I think Beardy making his uh, also a sophomore appearance on the show after nice. uh, with Matsuzaka.
1: Nice, nice. It's gonna be awesome, yeah. yeah Matt Matsuzaka, the sophomore with Beardy and with uh, Sean Donahue.
2: Amazing. Yeah, yeah that's right. Donahue well, actually, and Beardy make
1: it'll be Carl's sophomore appearance on the show too.
2: That's right. We'll bring him back, Nana Saka, as we said.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah she- be a- <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. What a title, too. Blood, I, blood Hands and Hong Kong Godfather. I, I, I love Hong Kong Godfather because it sounds like an appropriate title. But Blood Hands sounds like a title. Somebody like, why wouldn't you go Bloody Hands instead of Blood Hands? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had seen Blood Hands years ago, and uh, Will just to give everybody a little bit of behind the scenes, he had texted me and said, hey, why don't we do something very GGTMC and very fun for Christmas to kind of celebrate Christmas this year? Instead of doing Christmas-themed films or something else, let's do... Something that really speaks to what we've kind of created with this GG TMC culture. And I can't remember what I hit you up with first. I don't know if I hit you up with that first or not. I think I hit you up with something else first.
2: Something else. And I said, well, I'm actually thinking of going to go with Hong Kong Godfather. And then that's when you <laughs> yeah, <were I> came <laughs> with, well. Wow.
1: I've been kind of, I've been holding on to Blood Hands for a while to cover. And I uh, always thought I'd have it readily available. Uh, sadly, I didn't. But uh, Carl sent me some uh, a copy of it, so. It's not easily available. We should say that right well, now. Blood it's Hands is not hard to get, it,
2: which is a shame. I'm I'm a big fan of it. Um, I, I it's not. true. I don't think it's quite the level of pro pro violators, but then again, not much is. But it is a fine, fine film. Yeah,
1: it's gonna be fun. And it's uh, we should say it. Uh, I think it's our first Teddy, Teddy Page. Yeah, Teddy Page up in this piece. Who's uh, yeah. one of my. Uh, you guys have been listening to this show for a long time. Should know he's one of my personal favorite uh, exploitation directors. Is Teddy Page yeah. so. I'm looking forward to talking some Teddy Page with the boys. That'd be great. All right, so that is our show. We got, uh ooh, we got two good. We got some back-to-back good shows coming. When the one for that is our Diabolic show, and I think uh, people are going to get a real hard on. Yeah, I think people are going to get a real hard on for that one too. Is it one of
2: our like, sort of Godfather's film debuts? Have we done?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's two of the biggest directors of the '70s. We can say that. Seventies
2: and eighties, yeah, oh yeah, and the eighties, yeah. I can guarantee you, everyone in our community knows them, and most of them
1: love them. <laughs> yes. Guarantee it. Yeah, and I think they're two well-loved films of the uh, of the community oh, as well. Very much so. so it's going to be, gonna be a great show to end the year. Your
2: your show that you programmed for highball uh, yeah. activity.
1: Yeah, I was I was kind of pumped when I found that I didn't even know that uh, one was uh, released. I like that. Yeah. I know. Neither
2: was I, but a uh, region B. I, I got to check out how that. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out soon enough how that uh, how that blue looks. It's a film that's made for blue with its. It's a color palette, we should say.
1: No doubt about it. And I think we've teased everybody enough with that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, again, have fun. If we don't, uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. But I want to go ahead and give a uh, a week's head uh, start with this. I want to wish everybody a happy holidays. The um, Christmas is always a great time. But uh, one of the things I love so much about Christmas is that people actually stop and think about how wonderful it is to have friends like we have. uh, In our case, listeners like we have. And, uh, you know, it's just I've been getting Christmas cards. I've been the Kringle thing's been going on. It's just it's just very wonderful. So I kind of want to echo what like Keith uh, Squires was talking about when he posted on the board that this is what we do this for. Uh, it just kind of coincides with Christmas, but this kind of sharing and love of cinema is what we do this for, so I just wanted to say because i haven 't been on here that much lately, you know I love you guys, thanks so much for uh, listening to the show all through the years, and we look forward to uh, you know doing this for a long time, so I know I will echo everything i 'm saying there so
2: Oh, sure do, man. It's, it's wonderful to be part of such a community and to see the joy it brings everyone. Exactly.
1: All right, so with that, I'll give one last word, and that word is adios. Adios.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207, and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.